Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, February the 3rd, 2023. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have my man, David D. Lorenzo in the house. But before we jump into that, real quick, some housekeeping things. One, the Jeremy Scott Fitness app is rocking and rolling. You guys know if you want a free week just to try it, jeremyscottfitness.app is the link. It's in the show notes. You guys can try it for a week. See if you like it. All of our programs are in there. All my personal stuff, I do every single week reload. All the nutrition stuff, the mobility flows, you name it. If you ask for it, we will put it in there. If you guys dig it, you can stay on for a couple of pennies. If you think it sucks, you guys can go somewhere else. I'm happy to point you in the right direction. And a reminder, we are dropping a bodybuilding's basic program in there on February the 13th. So if you guys want to do more of kind of a bodybuilding split, but with a little kind of new age twist to it, that will be dropping every single week. It is a six week program, but again, you have access to everything once you guys are inside. So if you want to check it out, link is in the show notes, jeremyscottfitness.app, and you guys are good to go. And you already know this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens, the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you guys struggle to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, most of you do, this would be the one thing I would take. So if you take 14 different pills, you guys can toss them out. I would throw this into your life. Athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott will get you guys a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with order number one. And if you heard me talk about it before, or maybe this is the first time, or you heard someone else mention it, and you want to try a free sample pack, don't feel weird. Hit us up. Send us a message. We will send a pack right to your front door. You can try it 100% for free. No questions asked. If you like it, then you can get hooked up with all the discounts and the free stuff from there. Again, there's probiotics in here, digestive enzymes. It's the antioxidant equivalent to about 10 to 12 servings of fruits and veggies. So it's an easy way to cover the gaps in your nutrition. You still got to eat real food. You can't eat like shit. But if you do start to eat better and take this, I do think you'll feel like a new human in a better way. So hit me up if you want a free sample. Otherwise, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get the year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with order one. I always hate doing that. D-Lo, David DiLorenzo. What is up, my brother? Welcome back, dude. Hey, thanks for, for having me back. Um, I, I do want to say I, I believe that athletic greens will make you shredded without having to do any work. It, it's like a magic. Yeah, it's like a detox tea. Yeah. Like a waist trainer, <laughs> six-minute abs, all this bullshit. Okay, kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today is you know, how to how to be very successful and not have to do shit, right? Um, it would be nice if that was the case. I'm not good at that. Uh, by any means. No, n- neither am I. I. I do have a few gifts for you. And in the basis of athletic greens, I wanted to give you some of your own greens. That's fresh from my garden. Oh, broccoli. This is, this is a real deal. That's a real deal. I just cut that. I just cut it this morning. You do grow a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, broccoli, not weed, but um, I like it. Yeah. So, you know, check that out. I'm sure Heather will thank you after you have farts. Um, I don't. I'm uh, broccoli. I'm good. Oh, you're good on that. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Get me more than anything. Uh, and I do, I like raw veggies too, actually. I'm a cheese guy. And then as, as I promised, I know that you're really looking forward to this. Um, I, I got oh, two sizes. I know one is, you know, extra tight and one would probably be a nightgown, but I got you a on the D-Lo, you know, t-shirt. It's oh, a, I'll wear this. I mean, what kind of asshole puts a silhouette of himself on his shirt? I'm sure most people that see me on stories, you know. This is tight, actually. Right? I'll wear this. Yeah, back in black, baby. Um, BJ Gadur puts a silhouette of himself on the packaging. Oh, okay. not not on the not on the shirt. No, yeah, you're a different level here. I'm uh, yeah, I'm a little strange. Um, you know? I like it though. 
So for these guys, if they're listening, uh, if they're like, who the hell is this dude? <laughs> what the fuck is he talking What's about? What's his problem? Um, you don't, I mean, you've been on before, but if you yeah. want to give him like origin story or if you want to go like who you are, what you do, it's just a, however you want to splice it. Yeah, a thousand percent. Look, I'm, I'm a, just an ordinary average maniac that has a passion for life. I, uh, you know, I, 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 Jeremy and I, I've been doing this with him. I think I'm going on my eighth year of training with him and, and I've watched his journey and him become more and more successful with all the different, you know, outlets, him starting his podcast, all this sorts of stuff. And it's funny because I, I feel like in the same trajectory and tomorrow I turn 49 and I think I've got what a decade on you. Yeah. 10. Yeah. 10 years on you. And I was like, you know, this might be just, if I can talk Jeremy into it, this be a good time for me to just kind of come in and, and spew out just a lot of information about life and, you know, just things in general. So my background real quick is I, you know, as a kid, I, um, I envisioned and I dreamed and I loved the hospitality and the music business. And, um, you know, fast forward looking at, you know, well, in that time I was looking at pictures of Eddie Van Halen and Aerosmith and I had all the posters on my wall and I was like, you know, I have a mission and my mission is to work hard and to somehow get to meet these people and work for them. And, you know, 14 years later, that's what I ended up doing. And with that, it was a great career. It was a short one because the music business just took a different facet and turned into something else. And I was still relatively young and, I had also had a background in the insurance business, and, and it's funny because I listen to this podcast a lot, which I'm sure a, a lot of you do as well, and Jeremy has an ongoing joke that it could be as bad as selling insurance. And it sounds like a, sounds like a rough, so <laughs> rough job, for sure. <laughs> and that's what I do now. I, I, I go from hanging out with Eddie Van Halen and, and Steven Tyler, and, and you know I'll just name drop till the dogs come home because that's the reality of it, to um, selling you know, liquor liability policies to people that absolutely hate me when they have to pay their premiums. And it's just a, a thankless you know, type of living. But it's been great. So I, I thought it'd be good to kind of you and I get in the parallels of business and how we've had to you know, work to the position that we've got to now and just kind of share the passions of life and, and, and what goes on, at least in my head, has a um, has a person that loves, you know, to be athletic, loves to be healthy, loves to, you know, die for his business and his employees and his clients and, you know, bring it all back to family. But you're not like the, the normal insurance dude. Cause we have, again, there's not, not knocking insurance dudes. Sounds awesome. Uh, but you're a little bit different and I'll get into that stuff, but this is like kind of the, we always say, and a joke, like this version of me, like there was a different version of me before this, before I was Jeremy Scott fitness, if you will. Like I was not this person. When did that flip for you? Cause like in the, Hey, I'm hanging out with Van Halen versus selling insurance is like, you probably can't get more polar opposite. No, you're right. It, it's a, um, <clears throat> there was a shift and, and when you first leave a, um, you know, kind of a career, but not really, you're still young. So, you know, uh, to me, a career is decades of time research, you know, um, putting, um, putting blood, sweat and tears into it. But when you're fresh out of college in college and you're doing something, you're, you're really just kind of dating with something, hoping that, you know, it'll still be there and you can work it into a career. Now I have, I still have some really good friends that do work for the record labels. They, they went from like MySpace to, you know, Apple, you know, and, and all the different things. 
things. And I just chose to kind of sideline and go into insurance because that was an easy lateral movement for me because my dad had started this agency that I now own called Ambassador Group. And I didn't really understand what it was that my dad did, except that he just talked to a lot of people. A lot of people liked him. It was a personality thing. I'm like, okay, well, the genetics are there. Maybe I have that going for me. But when I had first gotten into it, I hated it. I was just like, what What? And what am I doing? What did I get myself into? Like I'm writing home and auto policies, you know, and I'm making, my first paycheck was 140 bucks. I was straight commission, never got a salary, just straight commission. Now I still live with my parents and I'm in my mid twenties and that's really good for your dating life. Um, it's part of the part of the grind, though. Yeah, it's part of the grind. Yeah. yeah, and I know people hear it like on Gary Vay and this and that. And and of course, I'm not an immigrant. I I didn't have to eat bread on the street in Russia. I, you know, I'm not that much of a badass in that sense. But I did sacrifice a lot of stuff. And you always talk about your your beautiful car outside here that you you drove here for me. I'm trying um, to trying to flex on you a little bit today. You're flexing a yeah. little bit. I, I I was driving a Chrysler minivan that oh, bro. <laughs> you literally had to go in through the passenger side to get the. <laughs> to get the driver's side door open. I mean, this thing was the biggest piece of shit ever known. But that's part of the struggle, right? Like you're trying to build. So, well, you go from one career where I'm assuming you're working a ton of hours. It's not a ton of money. And the lifestyle there versus the insurance lifestyle is probably drastically different. Drastically different. What is really ironic about it is that in the music business, my lifestyle was actually pretty clean and pretty on top of it. Because when you have, you know, uh, Madonna and some of these other people at Warner Brothers as your boss and you're responsible for some interactions with the artist and the people with the artist, you're on top of your game. You're not sit, you're, you're not getting drunk and being like, hey, I want you to meet, you know, someone. So, so it wasn't until I got into insurance that, you know, my whole, um, let's just say downfall of health started happening because it's interesting in the business world and, and you, you, everybody sees it in movies. I'm sure people can relate that are in real estate, that are attorneys, that are in finance. You have these conventions. You have these shit shows of debauchery where it's just like, you know, drink and party and there, there, there are no rules. And that's when I started to see the degradation of my, um, of my health and my wellness and all that as I was building my business. So, cause like when you're first starting most, and I had, uh, the wrestling dude who was just on, um, yeah. Don Vitale was on and he's like, he doesn't, he's been sober for like 15 years, I think something like that. Yeah. And he's like, all the business is done like in the bar or in the car. Yep. And he goes, when you're traveling, when you're with these guys, but you're in a bar, he says, now I don't drink. So how am I going to conduct business and do these deals from not doing alcohol? And yours is probably similar. So that's, a, that's a great question too. So when your identity becomes the drink, that's when you have, you know, that that's when the issues start to happen. So you go into the first three years of my insurance life and it was like, okay, I'm going to be an insurance agent. And that's what I was clarified as. And so I would go and I would write any and everything. I, I remember my one of my first commercial policies was a junkyard. Yes, a junkyard in downtown Phoenix. I wrote the insurance for the junk in the yard. And the guy had a claim, said some of his junk got stolen. And it was my first claim ever. And I, I was just like, and the guy was bereaved rating me. He was pissed. He was little did I, you know, I just didn't understand enough about the business, but I was, I was miserable. I ended up meeting shortly after that. I, I think everything, you know, within timing, I ended up meeting, um, somebody named Julian Wright and Julian back in the day owned, um, some places on Mill Avenue. And I got an opportunity to insure this place called the library bar and grill. I, like, I remember the library. Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. Girls would dress up. 
as librarians. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly right. after that came Tilted Kill. I had never been there. I just, just heard of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. This is pre-Heather. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I met her the third day I lived here, but I think I went there the second day I was here. <laughs> I went to the bar basically the first three days I was here, and my friends were like, yeah, let's go to the library. I've only been down to Mill out like... Maybe twice ever. Yeah. Once pre-Heather and then once with her. That's no, about enough. You're good. That's all for, you need. For people who are listening, Mill Avenue is where ASU kids basically go to right. get fucked up. And, and ASU is not known for its educational process. Um, and, and I can say that. I got my marketing degree from there. Uh, there's no insurance degree. <laughs> no. So, um, But it was funny because I didn't even party in college because I was busy doing the music business. And, and I, I graduated actually with Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman was in you know a couple of my classes. No shit. Um, yeah. Abs- and, and I can remember just even studying with him for economics um, and the dude was just sharp as a, I mean, sharp as a tag. He's just so smart and really nice. Birkenstocks, the whole nine earth. Anything you could think about if you, you know, saw Pat, that was, that's what he was. Just nicest guy. So yeah, so graduated with him at ASU and, um, but ASU is just known as the venereal disease college really is what it, what it comes down to. So I, uh, I end up uh, meeting Julian. He says, here, why don't you work on this bar? And I'm like, Hmm, this is interesting. And then all of a sudden, something had clicked with me as my friendship developed with him. I ended up writing the library bar and grill. He had asked me for, you know, $50,000 at that time, which was an investment in the bar. And I didn't have the money, but I still wrote the account. I, I had no money. Again, I'm driving a minivan, right? Um, living at home. Living at home, correct. And I end up... Uh, you know, befriending him and, and we become friends. And, and next thing I know, we're, you know, just doing other things outside of work, um, a lot of drinking and, and, and other things. But I started learning more and more about the hospitality business. And I started learning how the relation of the hospitality business and the music business were kind of one in the same in that essence. And I started realizing that I knew a lot more people within that realm than I did the insurance realm. So he was like, why don't you just niche yourself? I know a guy named Ruley and Ruley owns the restaurantbrokers.com and what is so ironic about this even thinking about it now is I remember going out with Ruli over 20 years ago we went to Pita Jungle when it was open on Apache with the first Pita Jungle ever which I now insure them and all their locations but at the time we sat there and we were talking and we end up finding out that we're both born on the same day February 4th now Ruli's about 20 years older than me but we had this conversation where he's like yeah, you know, I own restaurantbrokers.com. Well, what does Ruli do? He's a he's a broker for restaurants, you know? It's it's real simple. So it clicked with me and I'm like, "You know what? I think I'm going to try this." And I started barandrestaurantinsurance.com, you know? Keep it simple, stupid, right? Like that's crazy. So it's like there was not this master plan like from the get. No. This kind of you just kind of fell into this and you figured out, well, "Okay, I like this, kind of fits my personality type, let me just run with it. That's correct, yes. Wow. And I was, now we laugh at the aspect that, oh, you, you drove this you know, piece of crap, you lived at home. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, and, and, and that legitimately happened until I was about 30. The first condo I ever bought was from a friend. I had to borrow 10 grand from his friend in order to make the down payment to you know close on it, and I think I bought it for $90,000 at the point, which is like a little kind of niche resort area place, but this condo was no bigger. It was like North Phoenix? Um, the 51 freeway and, and Bethany or, uh, uh, Northern right there. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of hidden in there by yeah. the mountain. Okay. And I ended up living there for 11 years, but that was the first place I had ever owned and bought from my parents' house. So you drove a shit van and lived at home till you're 30. Yeah. Pretty close. Bro. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, dude. dude. It was, but that's also a blessing. I mean, 
I wasn't in a rush to, um, you know, to, to own big things and shiny things and all that. Like, that's why it really resonates when I talk with you about the stuff that you had the sacrifice and how you weren't jumping into your first Mercedes. Like you say, nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do and that makes you happy, but that shouldn't make me happy, you know? Well, and again, if you have the money and you can do it cool, but I'm like, I was living in a condo by myself and I had before Heather moved in, this is pre Heather. Um, <laughs> everything's pre Heather. Uh, I had a, ma- I had a mattress I had a mom, which is the put-together Ikea dresser. Yeah. I had a TV. I had no cable or internet. And then I had two bar stools that I would put at my <laughs> island that I bought at Target. That was my entire place. Nothing. But I didn't have any fucking money. Right. So what was I going to do? Yeah. I'm trying to start this business with no clients. And I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah. I had a, I had a mortgage on a condo, but I got a, bought it for pennies post-recession. like So, like, I got lucky there. Otherwise, yeah, I'd have been living, like, with roommates like I did for two years when I first moved and here. And so in there, you didn't have roommates, right? No. So the first place I lived when I moved here, I lived with uh, Dries and a buddy, buddy Ryan. I lived in the upstairs uh, bedroom on 32nd Street in Bell. Yeah. Greenway Square. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, ghetto as fuck. And I uh, paid 450 bucks a month. And it was about 200 degrees by the time it was 10 a.m. That's right. It sucked. That's right. But I had no money. It's so funny because it's still kind of ghetto, not really. And now I live like four miles down the road on Shea on 30, you know, 34, 42nd Street. And it's beautiful because it's like, you know, there's a mountain in the front yard. Well, it's like, I thought it was nice too until like three people got shot at the Circle K, yeah. which is no longer there anymore. But again, it, that's a big city though for people who don't live in a big city. I'm like, there's, if you're down like for us, like by the Biltmore, super nice. Yeah. You go two blocks, people got bars in their windows. You go two more blocks, some guy's house is six million bucks. Like when you live in a major city, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's the pockets. But I lived in not a good pocket. <laughs> no, the but it was by myself, at least. But man, to live at home, I guess that uh, the reason I'm saying it is because for people who are listening, if you're 30 years old, and you're like, I don't have my shit together. I'm not crushing it. I'm like, this dude was living at home, driving a minivan, bro, trying yeah. to make it. Yeah. And and 30, it's funny. People that are 30 now that might be listening and looking at it like, oh, my God, I'm 30. 30 nothing, man. It's not that you're still a kid. Oh, dude, you can, well, because Alec was just, out. this kid Alec worked for me for the last couple of years. He just left us. He's 27, yeah. I think. 27, 28. I'm like, Alec, dude, you can fuck up, dude, for the next 10 years and you're still 37 and you might not even find your thing till you're 40. And, you know, with technology in the world, my God willing, you're going to live another 40, 50 years, dude. But that's where this idea, and I think it's maybe old school, like what your parents did or your grandparents did, like that, that trajectory is different where, well, by the time I'm 30, I have to be married when mm-hmm. I'm this I have to have two kids I have to live in my forever home I have right. to whatever the fuck that means those things aren't real they never were no. and they're even more distorted now than ever so for people listening dude I don't know what I'm going to do in five years like maybe it'll be Jeremy Scott Fitness maybe it's Jeremy Scott Insurance who fucking knows <laughs> like I don't know what it will be or like where the answer is but it, I can't tell you the future and I don't have it all figured out but when you're young you sometimes think like I'm behind yeah and I promise you guys you're not you're not, you, no, you're absolutely not. And, you know, as I move into 49 tomorrow, which is, that's 19 years from 30, right? Am I doing my math right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah I believe so, right? I mean, 19 years. Do you know how much I have accomplished in 19 years to get where I'm at now? Like what, so what age did you start insurance? Like, do you remember the age, how old you were? Yeah, so I, I got licensed in 2000. So 23 years and how long until like you make money Mm -hmm. like, like not 
you know, balling out of control, but just like enough to where you're like, okay, I'm not just eating tuna and oatmeal every day. So this is the interesting about insurance. Insurance is like the biggest Amway business that there is. And if you, people aren't familiar with Amway, it's like where you go sell soaps and then you get people on these like renewal subscriptions. It's and like this. Put your hands yeah, up over your right. head. <laughs> You're in a pyramid right now. If you could see me, guys, I'm making a pyramid. It's a so. huge pyramid scheme. Yeah. That's that's all insurance is because we live off of renewals. You know, renewals are the key. How do you get renewals and how do you keep clients? You keep relevant. And we'll get into that in a minute because I do want to talk about the, the present that I've put online and what's helped me grow my business. But to answer your question, you're looking at a good minimum of three to five years before you're actually even making, let's just say in this day and age, maybe 40 to 50 grand, which is nothing to live So you work for three, like like year one, two, three, you're making like 40,000 bucks? Yeah. If you're hustling. If you're hustling. So how does like, I'm just curious because I've never done it. Like how does a dude start today? Like, mm-hmm. hey, um, you know, Bill comes in. Bill's like, Dave, I want to sell insurance. Yeah. First of all, he does not come to me because I'm not interested in having salespeople anymore. That was a, that was a nightmare. But how Bill, you know, may get recruited by some of these big name companies, you know, the the the, the states and the errs out there. Yeah. Um, you know, what ends up happening is is they give them a salary. And then they ask, you know, Bill or Rick or Sally to yeah. go and, um, you know, to go and go talk to all their families and friends. Again, sounding familiar. So they go talk to all their families and friends, you know, hey, you know, uh, look, little Billy Hill trying to make a living. You know, could I quote your home and auto? Could I quote, oh, you own a business? Cool. Can I quote your printing shop? And then what's, you know, what what's Billy's, you know, or Rick's relatives going to do? They're going to be like, yeah, cool. Here's my stuff, you know, this and that. Because again, it's, it's an industry that there are relationships, but not as many relationships as you would think. Not most people are tied to their insurance agent. They may know who they are, but it's not like one of those things where, you know, Joe, the insurance agents, you know, in your backyard every other day and, and relevant. So, um, they, these kids end up going, they get like these minimum salaries, like maybe $26,000 a year or something like that. These companies pay for, but then they have to pay that salary back through the business that they bring in. And then they may get a rev share of some of the business that they bring in too. Now on top of that, they don't own any of that business. So if little Rick, the new insurance agent comes in and he brings in, let's just say $20,000 of commission money, that $20,000 would actually go up against his salary. So he has to bring in enough revenue to not just pay for his salary, but then he'll get a split of what's above and beyond that to be able to make money. And then he doesn't own any of it. He doesn't, there's what's called books of business and insurance and the companies end up owning those books of business. So if Rick is like, I'm done with this, you know, after three years and he built up a little bit of a book and he wants to move on to just say, you know, ABC insurance down the road. He has nothing. He has nothing. He can't take any of those clients. They have what's called a non-compete. Oh, yeah. You get kind of screwed then, huh? I mean, it, it's, it's if you're the house, you win. If you're the house, you win. And yeah. and right now, you know, the, the houses are winning. There, there's not a lot of... They're huge, dude. Yeah, they're huge. And there's not a lot of uh, young people that are not part of the predatory system, I call it, that are just, you know, going, cool, I can't wait to be an insurance agent because this is a great opportunity to make a lot of money quick. It just doesn't work like that. Jesus, dude. What if you had to start it over like today? Like if you were 30 again today, would you do insurance again? No. No. Not at all. No. Not at all. <laughs> and, and 
not because the industry hasn't been good to me, but here's 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 the thing. Timing matters. Timing matters, um, but also attitude and you know my description and the essence of passion for life. This is this is why I honestly believe I'm successful. It's because my passion for life. It's my passion for people. It's my ability to bring something more than a document to somebody and say, hey, you may or may not need this. You know, what what attachment is there to that at this point? It's kind of like doing your your living trust. You're like, okay, that's cool. I feel protected. Glad I have it. Hopefully, I don't have to use it, you know, or my wife doesn't have to use it or else I'm dead. You know, it's kind of one of those things. And it's the same thing like when your building burns down or you get a lawsuit because somebody was drinking at your bar. And we can talk a little bit about that because I have some interesting stories and I'm sure people would have no clue because I do want to talk about how hard it is to run a hospitality um, you know, venue and, and for people that aren't in hospitality to kind of understand what these bar restaurant owners have to do. But the reason why, again, I believe I've been successful is through this passion, I was able to, when you say start over, I think I already had started over and I had really started over when I got quote unquote, I'm not going to say sober. Let's just say I quit drinking. I never had a alcohol problem. I had a problem with alcohol. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it was like one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm now going into 40 and I'm getting to this point where I've built up a great book of business. I've got a name. I now own the agency. I had purchased it from my dad. I've learned from all of these excess mistakes that were made by, you know, myself, my my dad, my, you know, all my dad's five marriages, which it's not a knock on him. It was just where he was at and what was going on in that time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And and now I got to a point where I'm now 3940 and I'm like I've never been married, but I knew I wanted to be with somebody. I wanted a partner. I want somebody. And I found somebody in Kim. And Kim is like, I mean, she is my best friend, my partner, my my everything. And so I didn't want to keep going down the same train I was going, you know, prior to that because it was a lot of partying. It was a lot of just being out late at night. It was a lot of just being unhappy because I was just kind of like living in this moment of, Holy crap! You know, I, I I gotta I gotta go hang out here. I gotta in feeling obligated, and then because you're in the bar and restaurant industry, so you're going to all the events, drinking and yeah. doing all the. Is that how like you built a lot of it? You think it's absolutely, and that's why I have zero regrets about it. And yeah. it's also how I became a bar restaurant owner. I've owned thirteen places. You know, I've been a franchisee of the, the location I was just telling you about earlier, Pita Jungle. You I've, know, been, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I opened up the Pita, first Pita Jungle in San Diego, and I also failed at it. So what was cool about all those things is that during that time, I was able to be a part of a community that I also had a tool that they needed. And so when you walk into a meeting and that, that wall is already down because you're walking in has a guy that is a restaurant tour that understands their business and you're coming at it from that approach and not like, hey, I'm going to sell you something approach, um, it's a lot easier. There's already that, 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 those common you know, points to be able to talk about before you get into having to make a sales pitch. Do you think you could have built it like without drinking back then? Mm. Like you, not you today, but like yeah. you, you at 30. Like you could have just went to the stuff and been like, yeah, it's cool. You know, that's a great question. Because like there's times like like friends of mine, like we have stories yeah. that like I'm a different person. Like I'm peeing my pants and head by the <laughs> fucking wall. <laughs> and like my best friend and I can like talk about that. That bonds us in this weird, yeah, like not healthy way. Or like, hey, remember that time like you puked in Nick's car? Like, yeah, I do remember. Yeah. The, you know, it. the answer is no. 
there's, there's no way I would have developed my book of business and been the bar restaurant insurance guy without doing the things that I did. And that includes getting arrested for peeing in public. That in, Oh, no shit. Yeah, that happened. Um, Dries almost got caught doing that in Old Town, but he yeah. ba- barely escaped. Barely. I mean, look, I mean, yeah. you know, That shouldn't even be illegal. Let's just be normal. People yeah. should just be able to pee wherever they want. I mean, I was I was really hidden. It wasn't like you know, it's just yeah. ridiculous. But you know, there there were, the thing was is that that's how I had established a lot of those relationships in the beginning. And For again, sure. no no regrets. I'm I'm very thankful and I'm very happy that I never you know hurt anybody. I never did you know stuff that was over the top stupid to where I'm just blessed to be able where I'm at now. And have lived that life un, unscathed pretty much, you know, yeah. and, and, and accomplished from it. When did you stop? Do you drink at all anymore? No, no. I haven't had drink, I, I guess, going on. Yeah, June will be nine years because, yeah, I'll be 49. So I stopped like in my mid-40s. That's crazy, too. Yeah. You know what I didn't know? And I'll bring him on the podcast. Josh. Yeah. Doesn't drink either. No. And he owns bars. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So so that kind of levitates us in the portion of, okay, here I am. I'm 40 now. I'm established. I have a book of business. I now own this agency. Um, the, the, the part, you know, during – well, let, let's move prior to that. Let's talk about owning an agency or just owning a business in general. And a lot of people, including myself, we lose sight on how important – the process of getting to know your employees is and understanding their needs and understanding the things that they go through and that they have to deal with because I'm, I was so guilty as a younger business owner of going in and just being like, Oh great. You know, Sally in here today, you know, shit, you know, and being mad about it, you know, and not understanding why, because it's like, because in my mentality, it's like, you need to be here. You need to be suffering. You need to be doing all this shit. And it's like, no, nobody needs to be suffering. You're, you're the one that needs to be suffering. You're the owner. It's your yeah. responsibility. So I had to, I really had to retract from that. And now that I have 11 employees, um, it's a lot. And, and they're all women, which is amazing because they are the smartest. They're the most loyal. They're the most dedicated. And they protect me more than anything. But did I mention they're all 11 women? That's a lot. It's a lot, man. I got one at home. That seems like right. plenty. I have another one at home as well, yeah. you know, the super boss. I got one here. That's good. Yeah, good. you know, and, and, and so I don't care what people say. When you're, when you're dealing with different, you know, energies and peoples and, and families and, 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 you know, a lot of single moms, they have kids. Kids have things. Oh, dude. So it's just, you know, you're, you don't only have what's going on in, in their world, but also their kids' world and everything else. And... I've had to learn to be able to just kind of let go and give them give them the freedom to be who they are, how they are, and let them run their book of business and the way that they're able to do it. And so if, you know, uh, um, Carol needs to go home and, and, and work for half the day, she doesn't need to tell me. You know, the worst thing I could ever get into was micromanaging because all micromanaging took away from what I was most talented at, and that was talking to people and establishing relationships. Well, you can't change, like, again, like I have a, Monica works here. She has three kids. The other day she's like, oh, Kobe and Maya are sick. I can't come in. I'm like, cool, dude. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Just do this shit at home. Right. I don't really care. I'm yeah. Like, but it's not, that's my problem. That's always going to be my problem. Anyway. Always. And that I just always approach it. I'm like, well... This is my, like, in, in I'll joke, like, Ben Novak's been on the podcast, you know Ben. Yeah. Ben and I will talk, I'm like, he'll be like, oh, I'm so busy, this is, I'm like, this is your prison, bro. 
<laughs> this is this is everything you wish for, man. Like this is this is the prisons that we built. Yeah. Like this is our own shit. So no matter what, like if somebody sucks, if Carol sucks or whoever, like that's on us. It is. But you have to let them do their thing, especially like when it's the kids stuff. Like what am I going to say? Bring your sick kids in here? Right. Like I don't want to deal with that shit either. Well, and 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 to to go back to the aspect of when you're building a business and you're and you're building it from a foundation and then you're building employees i i'll let, let's go back to talking about salespeople okay right now i have what i would consider i insure probably about 400 restaurants i i i would consider i have the largest hospitality insurance brokerage in arizona um and you know for local restaurants and stuff like that how did i get there what did i do well i had to learn that having salespeople was it, it was like putting a giant um, no not even a giant let's just say you're in a rowboat and you have like a tiny a tiny hole in it and it's just squirting water okay and this rowboat is just slowly going down because what was happening is these salespeople and again it's my fault it's my problem I hired them I brought them on I'm thinking God more people to sell for me the better but then what you end up doing is you end up bringing in, in their problems their perspectives and sometimes that may not be right for your business so if you're giving them splits let's just say Joe wants um, let's use Rick yeah I like Rick yeah let's just say Rick wants a 70% split okay that means that Delo is gonna get 30% now you know you're listening to this going you know not sure how things work and you're like why well, this seems fair like you know that the house gets 30% I mean Rick's out there doing all this work getting 70% what is the normal like just for a baseline because I have no idea yeah like if Rick's the guy like a insert you know giant insurance place what does he really get well yeah giant insurance place rick's getting a lot less because what so giant you you give more than the big dudes do correct okay but that was before i knew better because i was getting i was being very generous and very nice and i wanted to give i wanted to give the house away and that's what i did because i was so attracted to the energy of having more people of what i thought would be like me the more sales the better it's not always the case the more quality the sales and the more that you can make off of that sales and pay attention to those clients the better, the better. so rick would get his 70% i would get my 30% but am i really getting 30% at the end of the day if Rick gets sued. Who gets sued? Delo gets sued. Whose insurance pays for the lawsuit? Delo's insurance pays for the lawsuit. Who has to sit in front of whose time? Who services the account? Not Rick's employees. Delo's employees. Where does that money come from? Delo's 30%, not Rick's 70%. You know, so it's all these things that as a young business owner, I was unaware of. I was just, I was stupid to it. Because you're essentially, if it's the real estate world, you're the broker. Yeah. Like you're the house. Correct. And they're just the real estate people who represent, if it's like if Phoenix, Walt Danley. Like Walt's the dude. Yeah. Like it's all under his umbrella. You are that guy for your people. Correct. Yeah. So you do chew on a lot, man. So what was really interesting is that I came to this conclusion after having, I mean, at one time we probably had six or seven salespeople and I was making no money. I was like... I'm, I'm hustling, I'm working, man, we got this big, you know, and I'm paying for all these service people to service their book. And meanwhile, when I brought business in, um, none of it was being paid attention to because all the, you know, all, all the ladies were like, well, you know, Rick's up my ass or, you know, Joe's, you know, yelling at me or this and that. And so they felt like they needed to take care of them first because of, you know, whatever reason. So when I ended up getting rid of all of them and I became 
the only salesperson in the whole organization. And then I hired more quality people to take care of the sales to make sure that those sales were quality and that those relationships continued to be developed. That's when everything changed, completely changed. And it allowed me the time and effort to do things a little bit different than how I feel any insurance agent out there does. Because I don't call myself an insurance agent. I call myself the DLO, a connector, a protector. I'm a hospitality person. When I, you know, I'm endorsed by the Arizona Restaurant Association, the Craft Brewers Guild endorses me. I do, I sponsor a lot of the local food festivals out here with my own money. You know, I mean, the company is me. When I, when you see my banner, my logo, that's me paying for it because I want to give back. I do events, you know, called Healing Hospitality to be able to give health and wellness and, and give backs to a community that's been so good to me. So I started developing. I already had the niche, but I started developing it more on a different level and promoting that different level and promoting other people's businesses, promoting restaurants to each other and creating what I would call community. But how many more hours do you think you work compared to like the normal, the average insurance suit? What's a normal guy work? 40 hours a week? I don't know. I'm not a normal person. But like if you had a guest, yeah. like you see, you know these dudes though. Yeah. Like no, see, no, you're right. Okay. Do they, so do they work 40 hours? Even? No, no, no. Like no, no. when I, when I say, when people are listening, like we had Jeremy, everybody works 40 hours. I go, no, no, no. I had one real job <laughs> and I probably worked 25 of those hours mate. Like, and I think I was better than most 25 of those hours. I probably did the job. And then the other like 15, I was there. I yeah. basically was building the Jeremy Scott fitness website and writing articles and reading and doing stuff for myself or just like fucking around. I wasn't really working. It's so like if you said like what is a normal – maybe the younger guys maybe work more than the older dudes. Uh, depends on you know if they're good or bad. Like the average dude, does he work 40 hours a week? No, no. So maybe the younger guys will go out there and they're but, – but still, you a lot of those younger guys are in that mindset of, hey, it's 3 o'clock. It's happy hour. We're going to go hang out and have happy hour. And they might consider that work. Because they pretend they're not working or something. Exactly. And maybe back in the day, I had that same mindset and that same attitude. And again, no regrets, but I'm sure if I wasn't doing that shit for 10 years, I'd probably be 10 years ahead of even where I'm at now. You know, that's fine. But when you look at somebody my age or a little bit older, and a lot of these guys are my friends and I love them and and they don't even write hospitality. They're like, you know, you're the kind of hospitality. It's cool. You know, they write all you know, the, the truckers or, you know, a lot of this other stuff. And, um, that was my Southern accent. Yeah. It's pretty good. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I noticed that these guys, you know, Hey, it's Monday. Cool. You know, 10 o'clock's cool. Come on in, you know, our lunch, you know, Ooh, three 30 time to go home, you know, go home, smoke a cigar, this and that, you know, Friday, I mean, you know, one o'clock, you know, you know, lights out. I mean, you know, it's not like when you sit, when people see your stories and you're walking out of here, you know, after being here at 5 a.m. or 4:50, you know, showing your calendar and then you're walking out of here at 6:45, taking the trash out. There's not a lot of that going on in, in, no. in our industry. So you think you work like double the hours a normal person three times? Well, like what, like like you, when you're hustling, cause you go and what I consider work, like, okay, let's say Heather's working, you know, she's working at home, but she has to go to Newport beach. That's a whole day. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. You're not at home with your family. You're not doing the shit you want to do. You're yeah. You might be in orange County, which is beautiful, but you have to be there for work. So for you, you're like, Hey, I'm going to go to this restaurant opening. I'm going to go to this event. Those are all hours, dude. Right. And you do shit on Saturday. You do stuff on Sunday. I don't. Obviously, I don't follow a lot of insurance people, but I don't know how many dudes are doing that. Nobody's doing it. Um, 
here's the thing. It, it's it's one of those things where I think most of the people that are in that industry, um, they they like being in that industry because of the the four walls that it allows them to be in. I like being in the industry because I like to be outside of those four walls and create something that's a little bit different. And as I've talked about on some of my videos, I'm that guy that shows up with the rat t-shirt. You know, I go to these company events. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to be me. You know, if, if I showed up in a suit, I would feel more uncomfortable than in something that I feel I can be myself and be my passion. And, and I have owners, well, CEOs of insurance companies show up to our office because we do very well and they show up and they don't, for the first time when they meet me, you can tell like, they're like, who the hell is this guy? By the time they get out of my office, they're like, dude, this is so cool. You have a podcast. Wow. You're on Instagram. You do all these articles. You're endorsed. You're, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I, I don't really, I don't really work. I think that's kind of the, um, I think that's the analogy that really lends itself to where I'm at in life because everything that I do is just part of me living, you know? And so my Thursday is you in the morning, right? I go, I have some coffee. I do some insurance journaling, reading this and that. Um, I may have some meetings. I go do, you know, a lunch meeting and then I have guitar lessons at three o'clock. You know, that to me is something that I need to do. I do a lot of stuff, but what I, I'm able to utilize the time in the day to make sure that I take care of my physical and my mental as much as my, you know, my work progress and it all flows. It all flows together. But you'll return messages like any day, any time. Yeah. Yeah. Like you hustle in that way. Yeah. Or a lot of dudes I don't think do the same. No, well, you and I will sit here, we'll wrap out, I'll, you know, I'll get my car, and before I leave and I go, you know, do what I'm going to do next, my inbox will be clear. Now, I don't have to answer, and I don't have to do all of the work, because now I'm at a point in my career where I have great people that are more capable of doing that than me. I'm not good at processing paperwork. Paperwork, it's horrible. I hate it, you know? I like doing podcasts and talking and and doing videos and and being that guy. And that's not for everybody either. But I can tell you, I've got presidents of insurance companies to underwriters to – and underwriters are your friend. Anybody that wants to deal with a good agent – um, find out what the relationship with their underwriters are because it's no different than mortgages or anything like that. If you've got a company and you want to get a good rate and you want that com- and you want the insurance company to feel good about you, it's got to go through the process of this underwriter to look at it and be like, yeah, this is a good risk. We're going to write it for this much. We're going to, and so I have a lot of great relationships with that and they all know me. I will walk into a room and they'll be like, D-Lo, or I was at the Austin airport visiting my mom coming back and guy comes up and he's like, D-Lo, dude, I follow you on LinkedIn. I work for Liberty Mutual. I'm just like, cool, dude. You know, like it's just stuff like that. So for me, it's always about being relevant and not necessarily relevant. Like I don't necessarily every day preach on insurance. Like, oh yeah, insurance. No, I just preach on everyday life and how I'm able to, you know, partake in this industry and have a little bit of fun in the meantime. Is there like habits like you see or like traits maybe from the dudes who do well versus the dudes who are just like average? You're, and I'll talk about your social stuff too because I think yeah. you probably do more than most. There might be other dudes in your space that you know you see that do things on social, maybe at scale the way you do. But is there guys who are like, yeah, you know what? That dude does X, Y, and Z, and that's why he's good. And this guy doesn't do those things, and that's why he's not crushing it. A lot of my friends that um – 
kind of find other niches, they do really well. And, and again, they say, it, you know, riches is in the niches. And I created a, a niche in hospitality. Um, again, I'm not the only writer of bars and restaurants out here. I would just consider myself the best, you know, it just, you know, and, and I will take that all the way because as we were talking before the cameras were on and, and the mics, um, you have to die for it. And I'm willing to die every single day still to this point. And when you're not willing to die, then, you know, it's one of those things where somebody else is going to take. And I'm always in that, in that mindset that there's somebody, there's always somebody right behind you wanting to take, you know, some cookies out of your cookie bag or whatever, whatever the analogy is. Yeah. Well, sure. Sure. For your guys' stuff too, specifically, it's like everybody wants to pick the guys you have hey well, yeah. you insure this bar and like they get pitched all the time they I'm get sure. pitched all the time yes and that's a great point like i'll get you know and sometimes the guys will call me like yeah I, I got a call from another broker that this and that i just tell them to buzz off you know and they must get you know some of the bigger guys um probably get four or five you know calls a year you know somebody wanting the pitch and what's really started happening because of the reputation the longevity of my career is they'll tell them who they're with and the person on the other line's like okay cool you know like that's yeah. you know not all the time but you know especially if they're newer they're just kind of like well and and sometimes you know people's families get involved in this and that but back to your back to your question you know i i feel successful agents are ones i know a guy that started a marijuana niche I, brilliant you oh, know bro yeah that's a lot of premium a lot of good stuff in that you know i had thought about it and i was kind of like and, and this is one of the issues i think as a business owner a lot of times we'll fall into it's like stay the course stay the course you remember when uh, you know if you're what if you know star wars you know luke skywalker's in the x-wing and he's trying to drop that damn you know little bomb into the death star and he's got one shot to do it and he's got to stay the course and so for me I've, I've gone sideways. So I, I tried to start a, a tech and cyber division. I tried to, you know, do things that just detracted from what I love and what I'm good at. And why did I do that? Because I had this fear that I wasn't going to be able to do enough in what I love the most. And once I got rid of that fear and I realized I, I, I can do enough of this as long as I just keep going at it. And, and it's just been the best decision ever. So it's these agents that do niches. It's these agents that... Um, have built just relationships and go to, um, you know, go to functions and just kind of make themselves available and return phone calls and, you know, go above and beyond at the, at the end of the day, if you don't go above and beyond in whatever industry that you're in, then you're just a commodity. You're just the same as everybody else. Well, and I think for you, well, I'm going to ask two questions. One, by the time the weed stuff is like here, you already know, like, that's not for me. Or did you think like, oh, maybe I can get into that shit too? No, I thought about it. Yeah. 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 I thought about so that's it. That's real money. It's it's real money. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at a few of those accounts and, you know, when you when you take Joe's restaurant that, you know, does two million in sales and serves half of it in alcohol, and I do want to talk about, you know, kind of the liabilities of alcohol in Arizona and just the hospitality community. Because so, is weed crazy too? So weed's an uncertainty. And 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 again, Look, if you've had an insurance policy or you own a business with an insurance policy, they're not the they're not the the funnest. I don't know, funnest is a word. Whatever. I'm not that smart. I just sell insurance, right? You teach yeah. you teach uh, jumping jacks, jumping jacks, right? So it, it's one of those things. Like you know, there's a lot of exclusionary language in policies, and that can be a huge issue for people that buy them and the agents that are supposedly professionals they don't even know these exclusions or what they mean because they don't even take the time to read them. So, you know, weed can be very profitable, but, you know, is it that high of a, of a, 
um, a liability? It may not be because the policy may not cover anything other than say product and you know. Yeah. Um, Where the booze is different. The booze is different. So. Booze is interesting, and, and I think everybody listening to this will get something out of this, whether you own a restaurant or not, this and that. And a lot of people don't know this, and when I describe this even to restaurateurs, even very, let's just say, well-known restaurateurs out here that had their first liquor claim ever, and I happen to be the agent on it, you start to learn this lesson of personal responsibility. And in Arizona, there's liquor law. It's called Title IV. That's the, the Arizona liquor law is Title IV. Um, and it's, it's within the Arizona constitution. And, and basically what it states is that, um, if you, um, serve somebody that is quote unquote, you know, knowingly intoxicated, you can be held liable. Now I want you to think about how broad of a definition of that. Okay. If you serve somebody knowingly intoxicated. Isn't everybody at the fucking bar? I mean, I mean, really? Right. So think about Dos Gringos where you met Heather. Yes. Right. I was... Yeah. Intoxicated. I'm getting ready to reinsure that place actually as a new place now. Where's the one? Is it in Tempe? Yeah. No, oh, that Tempe. I'm doing the one in Old Town. Tempe got bulldozed. But is Tempe is the Old Town one still there? Yeah. Or does it change the names though? They've changed the names over and over. Now it's like a three story. It's, it's nice be, now. Yeah. It's ni- when it's when nicer. I went, yeah, you had to pee about five feet from the urinal. Correct. It was real gross. Yeah, they had like outhouses. And, yeah. Yeah. So, so I met my wife. Yeah. Yeah, they rebuilt it out. So. Think about that and think about back in those times. They have like three different bars all over the place. Yeah. Right? Downstairs, downstairs, upstairs, upstairs, this and that. And and you have, you know, you have Bill that comes in and Bill's, um, well, let's call it, let's say Ben. You have Ben that comes in, okay? Yeah. Ben's a big boy. Yeah. How, how, how big is Ben, would you have to say? About 6'9", about 300. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's lean, 285. Yeah. I can't wait to see him do the bike here and destroy his He's a monster. Record. Yeah. So Ben's a monster, right? Now- how many beers or vodka cranberries, <laughs> if that's what Ben drinks? Uh, he does look like a vodka cranberry. He seems like a clear alcohol kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. H- how many drinks would Ben have to drink to be noticeably intoxicated, do you think? Beers? Like prime Ben? Yeah. At least 10. Okay. Like I would say, because again, he's big. And like we used to booze, dude. Like we used to be stupid. Yeah. I would say, yeah. He, would, he could probably do a good 10 and you could still talk to him and he'd be. I mean, right. he's fucked up, but. He could function. So Ben has 10 beers at home. He takes, let's just say Jeremy drives him to, do, you know, to Dos Gringos. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Ben's had 10 beers. You guys have been hanging out. You've been watching the ball game, hanging out on the couch. He goes in the Dos Gringos. He can walk just fine. He can talk just fine. For sure. He looks like, you know, has yeah. a conversation, goes up and can order his own beverage, orders it, has his beverage. And then, I don't know, Jeremy goes to the bathroom, Ben grabs his keys because, you know, Ben's not feeling the vibe, he can't, you know, can't find that chick, you know, yep. he's like, I'm, I'm over it, has one beer, gets in his car, causes an accident, ends up hurting somebody or killing somebody. Whose responsibility is it, if you had to guess? I would say it's Ben's responsibility, you, and it's on him, he's the grown man who chose to drink and drive. Yeah, that's what you would think, right? Yeah. Guess who's getting sued? That's cr- like how? Yeah, yeah. Be, again, because they serve somebody that was quote unquote noticeably intoxicated, even though that they weren't. Because Ben, his blood alcohol level, I guarantee at the time of the accident was over 0.08. Okay, and that's nothing. Let's just say, let's just say you had nothing to drink, 
how, how for the average man or woman to get to 0.08, that's like two beers for a, a man and maybe a half a beer for a woman or a glass of wine for a woman. It's nothing to get to the. And so all you have to do is when you get in that accident and the cops come and you know do the blood test or the breathalyzer, if you hit that limit, it gives a plaintiff attorney. And I want people if you're like driving right now and you're on the 101 or wherever you're at, you know, I know Jeremy's got listeners all over. If you're looking at billboards, I want you to count how many billboards are plaintiff attorneys, especially in Arizona. Because oh, yeah. it's big business. It's big business to go after these bars after they have done what their license allows them to do, and that's to serve alcohol. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a tragedy to hear about you know people that die on the roads and the things that happen. I, I hate it. it. It makes me sick to my stomach, and I've seen more of these accidents than most people have on paper You know, because co- the claims come to me. I yeah. have to service it to the carrier, and then I see you know basically the back and forth, what goes on. But it's a game. At the end of the day, it's a game of business. It's not that these plaintiffs' attorneys give a shit about you know the p- person's life that had died. You know, some of them do. I'm not saying all are bad, but it's money. It's money. At the end of the day, and if there's a million dollars, okay, we'll leave it simple. Let's say they didn't buy anything other than the million dollars that they have to have per the release that can be you know taken then they're going to sue for the million dollars regardless of the accident's big little it's just it's just what we see and these rarely if ever probably never go to a jury could you imagine a jury of your what is it 12 peers and they're all like oh no that that bar man they're they're they're, they're cool you know we, we can't you know that no getting, they have insurance you're getting, you're they can pay smoked man you can smoke smoked instantly yeah that's bad so that's they just settle always. They, they just settle always. You know what's it? What is what is this person's life or their um in 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 in, in Bellman or, or whatever the word I'm trying to come up with? Um, what is it worth in order to you know to, to get out of it and and be done? And and that's not just liquor. That's assault. I mean, I've had cases where people are in line and they're pissed because they can't get into the club first, and they think that they. Um, they, they think that they were um, maybe a, a direct descendant of Jesus and that it's their, you know, their right to, yeah. to, to walk over everybody else and float in. And then the bouncer's like, no, you're not doing it. And then they punch the bouncer in the face, okay? And, they, and then basically now it, the, the bouncer's down hurting and now you got two or three other bouncers, you know, running after this guy and it's outside of the venue. And this guy now is got the, you know what, beat out of him. Guess who gets sued? The bar. That's crazy too, man. Like how, like, it just seems like a terrible business. I mean, obviously the guys who crush, crush. Right. But it seems like what a headache and how much stress, like in any given night you could run into just some bullshit. Yeah. Let, let, let's, let's talk about their employees and some of the issues that they may have. And let, let's just keep it in the nightclub phase, you know. I, there, there's inc- incidents where there's, you know, penis pictures floating around from manager. Oh, to staff. To staff. Sounds Probably right. not a good idea. Yeah. Has it ever worked, really? No. Like, you just sent a picture of your dick to some chick, and she's like, yeah, dude, you know what? You got me. That's a great-looking penis. Like, yeah. hook up on, it just seems like, obviously, it has to work at some point. Why are dudes still doing it? But it seems like, why would you do that? These are some of the claims that we get. And so, like, for sexual harassment or whatever. Sexual harassment. And yeah. and and most people, and, and we don't have to pick on nightclubs. I mean, there's fine dining restaurants. The, the hospitality community is such a beautiful community, but also it can be very abusive in the same breath. and Or, or I should say very predatory as, you know. Oh, yeah. It, it just well, is. Dudes. Yeah. Yeah. What is the 
because the liquor licenses are expensive too, right? Yeah. Like there's a difference between if you just serve beer and wine versus like whiskey, right? Yeah. So there's um. Or if you, it's a percentage. I remember like somebody told me that, like where it's like if you serve this much food versus this much booze, there's like a difference. Yeah. So there's a number twelve license, which is considered a restaurant license, and that that license there. Excuse me, you have to serve at least 40% food, okay? If you don't serve at least 40% food and the Department of Liquor comes in and they do an audit, then what they do is they either, you know, put you on probation to where you have to get to that point and prove to them, or you have to go buy what's called a number six. Um, and a number six, uh, let's just say a, a, a 12 cost. 20 grand. Um, I can't remember what they cost right now, but I can tell you that a number six is going to cost you about $230,000. Well, what the number six allows you to do, um, it allows you to sell a hundred percent liquor. You don't have to sell food. It's, it's more of like what your nightclubs would have that sort of thing. A number 12 is more of like what, you know, uh, bourbon and bones or, or somebody like that would have. Oh, cause the food cost is more than yeah. the booze cost, but then the places that are more booze heavy, that's a hefty bill, man. It is a hefty bill. Yeah. Wow. And licenses are, as Maricopa County grows, there's only a set amount of license. So that's why, again, it's a supply and demand thing. You know, it's very rare that they release more quote unquote new license and then you have to go into a lottery to get any of those new licenses or get the licenses that maybe have expired or that, you know, um, or you can do a private transaction where, you know, you know, maybe somebody is selling a license from somewhere and they'll dictate, you know, a price and then you have brokers that will, you know, do that. But it, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And then like the amount that a, like a, a bar pays, like obviously I'm sure it depends on 8 million things, but it, their insurance has got to be like way more than like what I would pay. Yeah. So um, an average bar, you know, if you're thinking anywhere in the hub of near a college town or just say like a city center, like hustle and bustle, and these places may not even be open that long. They, they might be open from, you know, a happy hour until, you know, 2 a.m., three, four nights a week. They are making some some good money. The good ones are, right? Um, in in Arizona, again, I, I, speaking specifically here, this is where I really specialize. I do know other markets. But in Arizona, because of the way the liquor laws are written, a place like that with no claims and maybe just for like a million dollars in coverage, they're paying in excess of six figures. Jesus, dude. Yeah. So you're doing that plus you're spending on the license. Yeah. So you're at like 330K. Yeah, I mean the license is a one-time purchase. It's an asset of the company, but the insurance Still you got to buy every year. But if like you're just like, hey, I'm going to start a bar. Yeah, I got to come up with 330. Oh, by the way, I need to build out the bar. I need to lease the bar. I right. need to run it. Like, that seems like a fucking major pain in the ass. Oh, you're not you're not building a mainstream kick-ass bar without three to four million to to start. I mean, you get you know the marketing, all that sort of stuff, the employees. Like that's what a legit place costs. To start. That's what a legit place costs. Now there's a, there's a lot of like smaller sorts of places. Like I do like little you know 1,200 square foot bars, this and that. But you're still at half a million. So like a real place, like Trevor's. <laughs> Trevor's is real, bro. Trevor's and his liquor license, um, those licenses that they have there, they're in the you know over seven hundred thousand. Yeah, bro. Because it's a you know liquor store, liquor store, and they drink booze there. And Trevor's drink. is cool if you guys are ever around. Um, Scottsdale. Have you gone to the new one or no? I haven't yet. Yeah, no. I will after like the Super Bowl and shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna stay. 
But they're not. They look nice. The no. one I've been to is nice. Well, and 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 so when you're looking at um, people, because you can drink there too, right? And they have a pizza oven. They have golf, you know, that you can hit. Um, oh, simulators. Yeah, the simulators. Yeah. And they have a cigar lounge. Oh, inside too. Well, it's inside its own area, and then they have a patio that opens up, you know, into the parking lot, so you can smoke and all the. Oh, yeah. stuff goes out it's it's That's really cool. sharp but you look at something like trevor's you look at these nightclubs you look at um you look at these funky restaurants it's kind of like with social media if you look at social media and you're sitting here and you're scrolling through your phone and you're like hmm what's interesting to me today and as you know it people's you know attention span is literally you know four seconds the worst yeah i mean yeah. i'm surprised anybody still listens to the podcast right so I, I i i get it you know and 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 people like what they like and now these restaurant owners and these um entertainment people they're having to come up with some of these craziest ideas and i'll get phone calls where you know i've had one guy he was like Hey, um, he's got like a, um, a grab and go liquor place and they serve like, you know, hot dogs and, um, you can sit there at the bar and do trivia and it's really cool. It's a beautiful place. And he calls me, he's like, uh, Dilo, I've got a bad idea. I just need you to tell me it's a bad idea. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, um, my, uh, my friend, um, wants to do jujitsu inside of my bar. It sounds like an awful, <laughs> awful fucking idea. <laughs> And by the way, Rambo Fight Club uh, underneath too. Like, dude, that's a terrible. That can't be real. No, it was real. It was a real phone call. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I go, the insurance company doesn't want to do that. I, I had another call going back to weed. I had somebody call, very popular place out here, and they're like, hey, um, somebody wants to do a weed infused food party at our place. Do you, th- you think the insurance company have an issue with that? I'm like, yeah, probably. Yeah, bro. Yeah, there's an exclusion on your policy for marijuana, like. Jesus, dude. Oh yeah, that just seems. I mean, it, I don't think. I mean, I don't think weed sounds terrible, but I can't imagine that you can go get high as fuck. Okay, this, and drink booze <laughs> at a place and like hope for the best. This is the best. Like this. I mean, all this stuff makes strip clubs look like the most. Um, how do I say innocent thing ever? Because you know what you're walking into. You're going there to look at somebody else's tits, and you is know. Str- yeah, is a strip club expensive to do? Or no? No, they're actually not because how it's many pretty. how many claims do they get? It's usually dudes that are like not wanting their they're not wanting their wives to know that they're there. If they slip and fall or get in a fight, do you think they're suing the club? And then all of a sudden, no. Probably not. Yeah, it's so funny how that works. But here's here's the best that I've had recently, and from an underwriting perspective, <laughs> um, this is real. This is real shit. We want to <laughs> we. We want to tattoo people while they're drinking inside of our bar. Is that cool? Bro, no way. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like people would have so much regret. It's like a, so much regret. It's just a bad idea. That's crazy that they want to. But I guess they're just thinking, hey, man, like what can we do to make money? What can we do to go over the top? Now, let's go back to Josh, okay, who we were just talking about. Josh, um, you know, he was able to pivot from the coffee industry to more of like a specialty sort of drinking industry. And you go downstairs of this old Jiffy Lube. I believe it was a Jiffy Lube or yeah, qu- yeah. Quick Lube. So people listening, there's this dude, Josh. He trains here too. He owns the Sip Coffees that are here. But he also owns, is it 36 Below? Yeah, 36 Below. It used to be a Jiffy Lube because I remember when it was a Jiffy Lube yeah. way, way back. And now it's a, it's a coffee place. But like if you guys don't know what Jiffy Lube, they change your oil. But there's like this underground world where all the tires get stored and whatever else they turn it into it's like a speakeasy basically yeah 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 so he had to come up with the 230 because that's liquor down there there's no food 
No, it, yeah, he had to come up with the, the bigger license. Correct. God, bro. Yeah, but what he's done is he's created this environment that you walk into, and it's like being in Disneyland, you know? It's like, wow. It's an experience. It's an experience. You're paying for an experience. You don't just sit there all night, right? It's no. It's like no. every 90 minutes? Yeah, every 90 minutes. Hours? Yeah, they have to turn the tables, and you have to buy like a you know $40 drink, and you know I don't know if it's $40, you know, $20 drink, and, and do your thing. I mean, the beers were like, yeah, like... I looked on it because, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, because he came here. He's like, oh, I own this. I'm like, what the hell is that? And right. I look. I'm like, this looks like this is underneath. Yeah. The sip coffee. And it, I think the beer is like 12 bucks. But that's got so. So I, I think that's a good segue talking about talking about Josh. So I had introduced Josh over to you. But what was cool about it is that Josh, over the years, has seen me post with you. You know, every time I'm here, I'm posting Metcon. We, we do our silly little thing on Thursday. You're a friend of mine. We've done this. And he's like dude, is Jeremy cool? I'm like, no, he sucks. That's why I go to him every week, you know, yeah, you know, for seven yeah. years. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if, you know, you were taking other people introduced you. So now I sell fitness, but the point of saying, bringing this up is all about the affiliation. It's kind of like how you're an affiliate for, you know, athletic greens and beam and all these things that I'm familiar with when I associate you with it. And these are things that you believe in and that you entrust and that you take. And so, that's what the connection is and how I've been able to separate myself, I believe, from the rest of the insurance industry is because I don't want to just bring somebody up, again, a policy and be like, set it and forget it. I want to be able to bring more added value. So I will constantly reach out to my customers and I will do seminars, not on insurance. I'll bring specialists in to do seminars about how to, how to do PR and marketing for our restaurant, how to do the best social media, how to do, um, how to learn about, you know, how to pay tips to front of house and back of house within, you know, the rules of the Arizona state law, how to do stuff, you know, legislation with the Arizona uh, restaurant. So all these added value things I like to do for them. And they're so, you know, appreciative of that because it's above and beyond just, you know, what I do. And that's what it goes to like the hours you spend versus the normal right. person. And that's where people, I don't know if you listen to your grasping like, okay, I'm going to do all these things that I don't have to do. I go, but that's what makes it different. And because you do post on social so much for what you do, it's almost for you, it's almost... I don't want to say it's easier, but it's so much better because everybody in, in our space does it. I yeah. mean, not everybody, but yeah. again, it's a different thing. If you own a gym, it's a brick and mortar, that's different. If you're on the internet like I'm on the internet, everybody who's good, we all kind of do not the same thing, but we're always fucking active. Because essentially, you're, you touch on it, like people's attention span is dog shit. And so you're trying to buy essentially real estate in their brain. Yeah. So you're on top of mind and you're always seeing it. You're always seeing it. And so it's constant. And you do that. And I don't, again, I don't follow insurance. I don't follow anybody really, but I don't think a lot of insurance people do that like at all, especially in the way you do it. It's not like, Hey, here's your, you know, policy premium. You don't talk about that shit. I wouldn't watch it. You just basically are you and yeah. you happen to just do this as the vehicle. And that's my thing. I, I love doing it. I love sharing my passion for life. And yes, that the insurance is my tool to be able to pay for that, to be able to have, you know, a marketing department to help me do all that stuff so that they can do the stuff that, you know, they're better at than I am. I make no bones about it. Like it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to be on camera and put themselves out there and, and do all those things. You know, I mean, maybe one day I'll do this shirt when I'm completely shredded, which I'm working on. I'll do the shirtless insurance guy. Maybe that gets more hits than the, you know, than, like the, than the guy with the hair, you know, um, and all my crazy antics. But the thing is that what, the reason why it's worked for me is because, and, and, and you know this and can attest to it, 
when you do see my stuff on camera, you're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's Dave. Like, it's no different than me sitting here with you. I, I am no different. I'm no different on Sunday when I come in and do my thing as opposed to how I am online. And so people already, even people that haven't met me or only met me once, they already have that comfortability with me in an essence where they're like, yeah, I kind of like him. Or he's a jackass. I mean, whatever. They've, you know, it, it, it's cool because you can kind of already make that decision and not have to do that dance. And, and then eventually, maybe somebody doesn't want to, you know, work with me right now. Maybe they're locked into something else, but they know who I am. And if a year, two years down the road comes this opportunity, who are they going to reach out to? Who's still going to be familiar? Who's still going to be front of mind? And, and, and the message is always positive. You know, that's the thing. I'm not here to rag on anybody. Well, and it's the consistency of doing it. You do it every single day. Yeah. And that's, and for you, I would imagine it's probably the best part of being like an entrepreneurship because you're just doing what you'd normally do. You just happen to weave it in to get paid to do it. Like right. mo most of the shit here I would do for, if I had like a hundred million dollars, <laughs> I would basically do all this for free. I'm not going to come here at the exact same times because I'm like, I could do way more like, if you got fuck you money, you got to do some fuck you shit. Yeah. I'm like, but I would still be here a lot. I would still do all, a lot of the same things. But when, again, similar to you, this, what you see is what you get. I talk this way to you. I talk this way on a podcast to everybody who listens. When you come in here, it's all the same. Is that, and then there's a freedom in that, that I don't think a normal person feels. Like if you can work for yourself and make enough money to like cover your needs, whatever it is, there's a freedom there that very few people will ever feel or ever understand. And there's a power in that where it's like, I don't need to make a hundred million a year. I already feel like I fucking won and I'm playing with house money. Yeah. Like for you in terms of entrepreneurship, is that like the best thing or like what would be your favorite thing about this? My favorite thing about this is exactly what you had just said. It's the fact that, you know, look, I, I don't really know the the difference between a hundred million because I've never had that and I don't I don't know what that world is compared to whatever you know millions I'm at now you know all together just more stress just more yeah you just have, more stress more some, people some, this cool, some cooler shit yeah yeah but I can tell you that within my daily routine and the way that I am now you know I get up at four I do some reading I have my coffee I play with my dogs I go do calisthenics you know some mornings I work out with you or do a Metcon I love Metcon like I show up a half hour early just to stretch and be here I'm pumped you know I'm, I'm, I'm sure you love that I'm here early all the time and uh, it, it's just one of those things where you know I love to look in my calendar and see who I get to sit with the next day and whether that could be a challenge, whether it could just be a, a new invitation. So I'm living my dream life right now. And maybe my dream life sounds like shit to most people where they're just like, dude, like you don't go anywhere. You don't travel. Like I know that I'm, I'm good with who I am and how I am and that's how I'm built. And so going back to the question of how many hours, you know, a week do you work? I, I just don't know. Cause I just do what I do, but it's a ton. But it's a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to do it if you hated it. Or if you imagine you going into company X and you got to just sit in your office yeah. where you're fucking buttoned yeah. down. You sit there with your khakis and I'd like, be miserable. Hey guys, it's Dave. Let me slang you this insurance today. I, I, I'd be miserable and I would be remiss to not give a thousand percent credit to my wife because she has to put up with this maniac. She understands that, you know, there's times where, 
Um, I'm going to have to, you know, get on the computer on a Sunday and answer some questions. I, we might be out on a, a, a walk with the dogs and I got, you know, you know, Jose calling me with a claim because a water pipe is bursting and they want to talk to me. They, there, there may not be shit I can do about it, but what I can do is answer the call and find out what's wrong, you know, cause people aren't necessarily going to bug me, um, you know, to just bug me on a Sunday. They're they gonna, got a problem. So yeah, there's a problem and, yeah. and I'm a problem solver. I'm here to help or at least listen. I'm a good listener in that aspect. And so I want to give reassurance to people, you know, when that does happen. So Kim has just been so instrumental and, and there's a reward for her too. I mean, there's, you know, there's things that she gets out of it. Money. Right. You know, new kitchens, um, you know, just stuff like that. And so it's very, it's very beneficial, you know, for, for both of us, very symbiotic. And, and we understand what that looks like. And, 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 and what it, if your spouse was like, you know what, Dave, you can't answer the phone on Sundays. You can't go work out on Sundays. You can't do this on a Saturday. You can do these days. If she tried to, at our house, we say like, and again, Heather's the same way. Like she's a saint, dude. Um, again, there's benefits obviously yeah. she gets, but she's in a prison with me. <laughs> totally. There's nothing, right. and there's nothing you can do. Like you married into this, like the mafia, like you're fucking yeah. until we die. This is who I was before. That's who you were before. Yeah. So it's like, but I, and, and she has a process for her life. That I don't fuck with, but I have my process too. And if she was to come to me and say, Hey Jeremy, you can't do this on Saturdays. Or you can't do this on Sundays. There would be a fundamental problem like where this machine wouldn't work and, and I wouldn't be happy. Right. And so if Kim never, if you were with somebody, I guess, who messed with your process, like how rough would that be? Because she just basically lets you do you. That's why I didn't get married till I was 40. That's why I had learned from my dad's past mistakes to realize that my maturity level was that of, a, of an infant. Same here. And, and, and still is. I just found somebody that I could communicate with to be like, look, this is what you get and this is how it is. Are you in? And, yeah. and she was in. And so at least I was mature enough at 40 for us to be able to have an understanding. Have I compromised on some stuff? Yeah, but I haven't compromised at all on who I am or, you know, I mean, some people are like, oh, dude, you quit drinking after you married your wife. Well, not, not really. But it's like, is it's like when, if somebody said that, you know, hey, Jeremy, you don't do this anymore. I'm like, but is that, was that thing serving me? Like you go and getting fucked up. Thousand percent. Does that make your life better? Like right. what there's zero health benefits to it. Yeah. But what 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 have you lost because you stopped drinking? Again, I tell people all the time, my train ride is getting this much shorter. Day by day, the train ride's getting shorter. I don't know how much shorter it is. I'm hoping it's a little bit longer than shorter, but who knows? So was drinking serving me? Was waking up with a hangover, feeling like shit for two days? Was that serving me? Was that me being the best for my family relationship, for my clients, for anybody that came? No, it wasn't. So I was able to utilize the strength within myself to be like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this so that I can add this. And adding this was all the health and wellness and the fitness and all the things that actually make me feel good and more productive to be able to now I can serve even more people and I enjoy it. On that same note, I was texting Ben yesterday because um, we've been doing this. We have the assault bikes here. <laughs> we were doing these, um, the fastest you can do 10 calories. And I kept tagging him because I want him to come here and fucking bury me and everybody else. <laughs> um, not only on that, but on the erg bike too for the 1K. And uh, him and I were, were joking. He's like, you know, how bad is it? I'm like, well, I go, let me break it down. It's like being hungover. Like to do the 10 cal sprint, that's like being hungover at 19. 
you, you wake up the next day and you just kind of rally through it. Yeah. Doing like the 1K biker gets like being hung over at 39. <laughs> you don't <laughs> fuck, you, you don't come back from it. Like that's kind of the, the two differences. Anyways, that was just off topic. But no, that's funny. I thought about that because I'm like, it's not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. No. When it comes to that. And I was going to ask this too. Um, I'll come back to some of this shit, but because you are, you eat a certain way, you train a certain way. If you weren't this fit and this healthy, do you think you could keep up the same pace, you know, being almost, you know, essentially 50 years old, right? Like when you're young, again, like to your point, like I could, you know, drink 20 beers, you know, basically shit my pants and wake up the next day and just like drink a Gatorade and fucking crush, right? Yeah. And now if I did that, it's like a three-day process. Like if I went and got shit-faced like tonight or tomorrow, I'm not here Sunday. Yeah. Or I'm I'm dying if I'm here. And, it, and I'm a shell of the person. So for you, you eat a certain way, you train a certain way, you go to sleep at a certain time, you wake up a certain time. That has to aid in your productivity for work. It does. I'm, I'm a systematic process sort of person, type A, like have to do my things and, and that sort of measure. I'm also... There's a lot of vanity that goes along with that as well. I'm, I'm very, I mean, I use a, a laser helmet because I have thin hair. I don't care. I, I admit it. You know, whatever. I'm almost 50. I got, I got, you know, I, genetic, I, just, genetic, I just shave it, bro. Yeah. Genetics were not kind on that thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with that last bit. I'm like, laser helmet. It's going to solve everything. I don't give a shit. Whatever. You know, if it works, it works. But yes, I mean, those systems and those processes, um, I think as you get older, from what I'm feeling is that I feel better now than I've ever felt. But the only reason why I do is because I've put the work in. If I was still the 200 pound, and I weigh 152 right now, okay? Living so, light. So if I was the 200 pound, you know, as you say, bag of shit that was drinking, inflamed. And what was so funny is back then, I thought I was good looking. I thought I was suave. And I look at pictures of that and well, I'm- Your hair was down to your ass. Well, this was after that, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, I think I've seen some of those photos. Yeah, where you're big. I'm big, dude. I'm like two ten. So that means like you were. How what was your heaviest? Two hundred. Yeah. So that means you almost would weigh as much as me. Almost as much as you, and I was about the same height. All the- <laughs> That's fucking crazy, dude. I, now I could probably you know hit the assault bike a little bit heavier because I got the, fifty the, pounds. The ten cows, you'd be okay. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, going back to your point, like I, I, there's seasons. Everybody has seasons, and and I'm in it. I'm just in a different season right now, and acknowledging what that season is, and you know the different you know plants that you got to plant in order to harvest the best portion of that season for yourself. That is what I'm doing right now. So if I know that this is not going to grow in this season, I'm not going to keep planting it. I'm going to keep trial and error. And the thing is, is that with the life experience so far of trial and error, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, tell other people what I'm doing, not saying that's right for them. Cause I think we all have a very unique genetic makeup, um, mental process. We're all different, you know? And if people can take even little nuggets out of this, like, Hey, that's kind of cool. You know, he gets up and does this or, or, or does these things, then that's great. But that might not be for you. And so as you get older you find more and more what really works for you and sometimes you got to make adjustments you know i mean my wife's always ragging on me about how many supplements i take you know i i don't just grab the the bag of athletic greens pour it in and, and drink it and be like okay i'm cool um I probably should, but what I end up doing is I buy a bunch of shit for, you know, you know, nettle root, you know, it should help my, my urination thing, you know, um, you know, uh, antler, you know, deer antler should help my testosterone, you know, cause you know, it's just all yeah. these things that you experiment with as you get older because you start losing like other things, you know, and it's, it's just trial and error, you know? 
Well, it's a routine, like in your, that's why we call it like the process. And there's things where everybody's doing this and like, no offense, anybody. And you can give me all the benefits. You can email me, you can send them in. You can miss me with that cold fucking water shit. Like you can, you can skip it, dude. I ain't taking a cold shower, dude. I'm not sitting in the ice barrel. I know what's his name. Troy's going to come on here. Yeah. And he can talk about it all day and that's yeah. super cool, dude. But I'm like, nah, man, like I'm good. Yeah. Like that ain't for me. Right. Like, and you can tell me, no, you can train yourself. I'm not kidding you, man. There's something that else happens when I do that. Like it ain't good. Like it's just uh, genetically, there's something that's like, my body's like, nah, dude. Yeah. It's you a shutdown for you. Yeah. You need to be here. Yeah. It needs to be 110 degrees, like you're good. Right. Like you don't live in Minnesota for a reason. No, that's exactly it. That's why you came to Scottsdale. And I mean, in the same breath, like how many of these people want to come and do Metcon? You know, like who wants to die on a Sunday? That, that seems dumb to me. Yeah. But they, people show up. But but they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good community. So now you have to find like a process that obviously works. Like you have found one. And that's, I guess that's a key for most people where you like what you do and it all kind of fits together. You're just living life at this point. Well, that's it. And and I think if you're younger and you're listening to this and you're like, God, what do I do? How do you know, again, it comes back to just finding your passion and you're like, okay, well, that's very generic and loose. And I mean, what does that mean? Well, again, dig in. What Do you love playing music? Do you love talking to people? Do you love, you know, planting plants? I mean, what is it during your, let's just say, four-walled box job that you're doing and you're miserable with? What are the things that you're doing outside of that that really make you happy? And why can't you go do those things full-time and figure out a way to make a living? Understanding that if you do that, there's going to be a lot of time where you may not make money and you may have to sacrifice. But if you fast forward yourself and you're passionate and you're working and you're, you know, 20 years later going, wow, this is cool. You know, I'm doing what I love to do and I've been doing it for a long time. Well, and people might listen to you say, well, it's easy for you. You have this business, blah, blah, blah. I go, but it's the same dude you used to live at home till you were 30 driving a fucking minivan. Yeah. Like that's part of the story. And for everybody's origin story listening, I'm like, if you're not, if I guess if you're listening and you're like, I don't know what I should do for a living. I don't, I don't know what my calling is and I don't really have a passion and I suck at all these things. If you're not living at home, bro, in a minivan, <laughs> you're ahead of Dave. You know what I'm saying though? Like but, and the people, it's hard because you probably at 28 couldn't envision this life today. No, I sure as fuck couldn't see my life for where it is today. When I like when I'm 28, I'm trying to think like I'm like, well, I'm not going to be homeless. I knew that much. But I'm like, I was I didn't think I could crush. Like, I just didn't think any of this stuff would happen. I thought 4950 was old. You're like dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm just getting started. So has the seasons turned into the older seasons and you've accomplished a lot and you feel good about it. This right now is, uh, and, and I'll say this now, and maybe when I'm 60, I'll say something different, but this season right now is beautiful. I wake up, everything clicks. Now, with this season, I do have to have a rationale and an understanding, and to get really deep, you, there, there's an understanding, because this is the, the natural progression of life. I got to start worrying about my parents, you know? I got I to gotta worry about my kids, but in a different way. They're becoming adult adults. They're getting out of college. You know, are they are they going to start having a family now? Like, what's going on? Where are they going to? How are they going to do that? So now I'm in this like master of responsibility season of life. You know, and I'm responsible for everybody, whether I like it or not. I am, and that's what I'm dealing with while I'm also in the prime of my, in my opinion, my physical, my career. I mean, my marriage, all these sorts of things. So. 
acknowledging the season that you're in and taking it in and when tragedy strikes or when opposition strikes, just understanding that it's okay to be woeful in those situations, but you also, you have to recover. You have to bounce back from the punch and understand that you're never going to avoid that. That's going to happen in life and you just got to deal with it and move on and figure out the best way to get to your next season and, you know, take on what's there. Well, it's like the saying, like nobody, I would say nobody gives a shit. But, like, if you get punched in the face on Tuesday, and you can lay on the ground, that's fine. Yeah. But if you're still laying on the ground on Friday, you got to get your ass up, dude. Yeah. Like, and I, and I hate, and I say this all the time on here, like, and this is not completely true, but, like, kind of. Like, if my whole family got murdered by, like, a serial killer, people would feel really bad here, like, on Friday. Right. And they'd be like, well, who's going to run the groups on Monday? hundred like, percent. Jeremy, are, are, you, are you doing MatCon Sunday? Like, are you going to make it? And I'm not saying that, like, people would do that exact example but at some point the world just has to keep moving like it just does mm. so you got to like always have your shit together well do you ever watch like history channel and watch these things and you see these old pictures of you know the miners or the people that built the bridge and you're looking at them and you're like they've been dead like 50 years these are human beings that were here that had lives that didn't really live that li- that'll be us one day well, we'll th- this video will live forever through the fruitful internet and, you know, whoever is going to be watching it going, wow, you know, this guy's, wow, that was, you know, they're, they're dead now. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. Well, that's why I try not to take things super serious. Cause I'm like, dude, in a hundred years, no one's going to give a shit. Right. No one even remembered I was doing this. No. So like, I have to have fun doing it. That's why I would say like my process has to be fun and similar to you, I'll work a shit ton of hours but I like to do it. If I and that's what I would ask you. Like, if you're not doing what you're doing now, what would you do? Like Heather and I will joke sometimes. I can't do this the way I'm doing it forever. It's just it's not possible. Like I just don't have the bandwidth will run out. I'll be like, fuck it. I'll either be too annoyed with humans or whatever the fuck it's going to be, or the internet or who knows. I go, but I'm going to do it until it's not fun anymore. Yeah. And at some point, it'll have to shift and change. But her and I talk. I'm like, well, what would I do though? Right. Like. If you have, I get if you have like unlimited money, but even if I have the money to like chill, I'm like, so I'm just going to get up and like, what, like do a podcast, like a couple times a week and just like work out in a home gym. Like I'm going to be a landlord. Like what the fuck am I going to do? Well, I get offers four to seven a year to have the agency bought and you know, multiples of five to seven, whatever that looks like. Is it a lot of money? I, I, I guess you could say you know, to most people, yes, it's a lot of money. Is a lot of money to me? No, because there's no sense of price of buying me. Because at the end of the day, the business is me. Without, they'll, they'll buy you. They'll keep you on for right. who knows how long. And then I'm working for somebody else. Yep. And, and so why wouldn't I just continue to do that for myself if I'm having fun and I have the freedom and all that? sort? Because everything changes once somebody hands you a check and they're like, okay, cool. No, nothing's going to change. It's a, it's a whole bullshit sales pitch that they have. Oh, bro, I've seen it here. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it's like, you know, I'm just not interested. And so I'm already developing what I want to do later on. And I'm doing that now. And I'm doing that now with creating a bigger social media presence. I want my social media presence to be one of not Dave, the insurance guy, but the D-Lo, the guy that people can go to and be like, Hey, I'm scrolling through. Wow. I just saw this cat, you know, get run over. I just saw, you know, police shoot somebody else. I, Oh, it's D-Lo. Wow. That's kind of cool. I feel refreshed. I want to be a positive force and somebody to lend, you know, some drop, drop some earned wisdom and, and give it to others and be able to, you know, 
um, have that has a, has a legacy within me. And so that I'm working on that aspect of it now. And I'm also working on things to give back to the hospitality community. And so these healing hospitality events that I do are me creating a 501c3 with my brothers who own counseling centers and I want to, I, I have, I've already thrown two events, our third event's coming up at the end of February, and what we do is we throw these events to create community for hospitality owners, managers, employees to be able to come to for free and do ice baths or do Wim Hof breathing or do yoga. We did a sound bath. I mean, you know, take an hour out of your day, lay down, take a nap and feel amazing afterwards. It's just, so these are the things that I'm parlaying myself into doing while my business is being pretty much run by my employees and giving them that power and giving them more money for the power and doing those things. And so you got to take care of them so that, you know, I can take care of myself and do the other things I want to do. So that's like, is that like why you go so hard, like on the social stuff? Cause yeah. you're like, Hey, if I take, and this is what we've always done. Okay. If, especially if it's like early, early on, okay. I can coach humans here so I can take the money from that to build this infrastructure on the internet. So I can yeah. kind of move into these niches and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't like the first program. I think we did, we spent like 10 grand. I made like 400 bucks. Like yeah. I shit the bed. Go, <laughs> but it like, it's a good learning experience. It's just part of the game. Like I take L's like everybody else does. And that's kind of what you're doing. Like, okay, this is the thing that makes the money, but I can build this infrastructure on the back end to hopefully move into whether it's the next phase or just a, like a different trajectory of your career. That's you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. hundred percent. That's exactly what I'm doing. Is there like the worst part about owning a business or like the worst part about entrepreneurship? Like something you're like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, it's um, the fact that you're 100% responsible and alone no matter what. It, it doesn't matter if even if, you know, your employees have your back or this and that. At the end of the day, at 5 o'clock, in most case scenarios, they can go home. And, you know, I, I can't do that. It stops for them. It stops for them. And, you know, I've been sued. That's part of owning a successful business. I, you know, uh, everybody has a pain. Just because you get sued doesn't mean you're a bad person. That's just the the business we live in. It's the world we live in. You yeah. know, it's 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 somebody saying, "Hey, my opinion is better than yours, and you screwed me over." Okay, great. What do you want to do about it? And then you got to go through. So I've been, I've I've sat like in front of a judge before, and I was like, oh, what was I? Thirty seven. I mean, that was the worst. I mean, I'm shitting my pants, you know, like yeah. what the hell I've sat in rooms with attorneys that have berated me about why this was done or this wasn't done or the, and I don't have a clue. I'm just trying to run a business and sell insurance, but you know, you got other people's hands and things. So the worst part about running a business really, I, I, I think comes down to the, you know, um, for, for me, because I have an, I, I, I have an ego, we all do. And my ego is, I don't want to be disliked. I don't want to be taken advantage of, but unfortunately, you know, there's human nature where people will do that sort of stuff and they may not feel that they're wrong and that's fine. They are entitled to their opinion and, and what goes on. And so th this is a good perspective to have as well. And I used to be so mad about this and I finally, I just got over it because in insurance, the way it works is if I write a Paul, if, if I, okay. Joe calls me. He's like, hey, Dave, I'm opening up so-and-so restaurant, and um, I need a bid on it. Okay, cool. I could spend hours 
not exaggerating, two, three, four hours. Because what I do is I take Joe's information and I go to 10 to 15 different insurance companies. So I go to Nationwide, I go to uh, Progressive, I go to, you know, blah, 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 all different ones. Now, Keep in mind, they all have their own systems, so you got to log in all the... There's not a program that just logs it into one place. Yeah, it's not Google. Right. So I have an employee. That's all she does. She just logs it all in. You know, application, application, application. And that's our job as a broker. We go find the best deal. It's kind of like, you know, these mortgage places that try to find you the best percentage rate. Yeah. But we have to type in... Then we get 15 different underwriting questions from different underwriters. So then you got to go back and answer these questions. Some are the same, some are different, but you have to, again, the underwriter is your best friend. They may look on the website. Hey, did you know that Joe's restaurant is, you know, uh, doing cat shaving, you know, next to the, um, you know, next to the, 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 the food, you know, area. No, I, I didn't have a clue. Well, it's on his website. They have a cat shaving party. Okay, cool. Didn't know. You know, then you feel like an asshole because you should have searched it out and asked first. But my point being is that sometimes to do one quote, it can take three to four hours. And then you got to call the client. Dude, that's fine. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. But okay? you're paying multiple people for no money. Correct. Yeah. No money until you close the deal. And then you may not even make enough money for the amount of time that it took to work on an account that pays you, you know, may, say it's a smaller account, $200 account. And I can't turn those accounts down. That's one of my weaknesses. Does that make me any money? No. But do I love having the relationship and a new restaurant and being able to have the possibility to help somebody? And maybe that one restaurant turns into 15, yep. you know, Angry Crab, good example, insured their first location ever in Mesa. Was it a premium that was going to, you know, break the bank? for? Absolutely not. Now they're one of my biggest clients and one of the best relationships I could ever possibly have they let me do what i do and that's that's great so you know but if you say no to the first one you never get the you rest. never get the rest that's exactly it that's kind of like where people will say hey why do you wake up every day at you know four in the morning i'm like well for one i'm not that smart so i need to be <laughs> up before everybody who's smart to kind of catch up i go but honestly it's not a money thing it's a momentum thing yeah and to me again it's a maybe it's a great way to look at it or a terrible way i'm like if i don't do this today Maybe this was the day, though, where these 10 things are going to happen for me. And if I just punt today, those 10 things never cascade into what it's going to be. And I never get on this platform or this deal or I meet this client or I meet this company or whatever the fuck it is. And then all those things in my life goes this way instead of that way. And that's kind of how I approach everything. I'm like, so I have to wake up and do what I'm supposed to do each day to put me in a position to have the momentum to be in the right place at the right time if whatever it was. I could name 10 different things that have happened for me that have changed the trajectory for me in terms of like career or if it's reach or if it's money or it's whatever. So I'm similar to you where I'll take not everything because I can't take everything, but you really just always kind of have your foot on the gas because if the momentum slows, it's so hard to pick it back up. I heard it in a, uh, in a talk once it was called creative destruction. You're always going in and you're destroying everything to recreate you know, and you're built a lot like me. I see a lot of you in the essence of the way that I work because I know this for a fact because you're so generous with your time. Not just, I mean, even in the very beginning, even with me, you know, and you being a part of like the ebook I put together and just all these things. And you're just like, dude, my resources are yours. And, and I lo- always love that about you because it reminds me in the essence of what I talk about too. And that's always take the meeting. Now, some, you know, 
not, you know, if you take 10 meetings, maybe four of those are going to be a complete waste of fucking time. Right. I get it. You know, but that's part, again, that's like doing the quote. You don't yeah. know, you don't, it, that quote could be your next biggest account. So I always take the meeting and I got payroll companies. I got credit card processors. I've got, you know, uh, menu, you know, designers, all sorts of people, napkin people. They all reach out to me cause they all want my database. I'm, I'm now that established and I'm that guy. Oh, got to get to meet Delo. He's got 400 restaurant clients. Imagine if they could get into those, right? I always take the meeting and I might even have a, a relationship that I already like as an affiliate or something like that, but I'll still sit down and I'll talk to somebody and I listen to what they have to say because you never know, like you said, who that person is or where they may end up next, you know, and what opportunities are there. So how do you do it when sometimes you just have to be like, nah, man, like I can't, I can't go there today because I'm stretched too thin. Mm -hmm. I have too many other things because maybe it's for me early on. I'm like, I would not say yes to everything, but I would say yes to a lot of stuff. And there's even like shit I'm supposed to go do today. Like it's not happening. Yeah. Like when this is done, I'm like, I'll work out. And I'm like, that's it today. Yeah. I can't go to a meeting tonight and then to a dinner, which I'm supposed to go to. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say the names because they'll hear it. <laughs> I'm like, but I just, I don't have the bandwidth. I can't go sit in a room with 20 people and listen to a, a pitch about whatever. Because even if the, the opportunity is there, I don't think I can even take it right now. You with can't this, be present. Yeah. No. And with as busy as I am, I don't know if they're like, hey, Jeremy, will you come on on this board? We'll pay you, you know, five grand a month to do this. I'm like... I don't have the time, dude. I can't. I don't have any more time to give you, so I can't go to this meeting because it's all a waste of my time. Not a waste, but I just I can't fit it in. Yeah. How do you do that? Because you're busy. You have a bunch of shit going on, and so sometimes it's like, you probably got to be like, no, nah, man, I, I just can't. I can't make it today, or we can't do that, or that's not. You probably have to turn down some business that's not for you. Correct. And so, so the the new phrase for me is, and and it's a very true phrase, is that I appreciate the opportunity. I, I would love to, you know, learn more maybe in the future, but due to the fact of, you know, my commitments and my time allotments the way that they are, I can't give you what you need. I cannot give you my attention, the added value. I can't give you the DLO that you think you are going to get. So out of fairness, you know, to you, and, you know, I just got, I got an award, the the Titan 100, you know, is one of the... Sounds important. Yes, exactly. Yes. You know, um, look, grateful. I was nominated by, you know, a friend of mine. And, you know, I got to go to this awards function and I got a little plaque and, you know, I got some great social media press and, you know, the Titan organization, they're a great organization. And this lends into exactly what you're saying. They're a great organization. They, um, you know, they really promote you. They have these great events, you know, these give backs to the community, all these things. I just, it wasn't for me. You know, I was just kind of like, oh my God, this is a lot. Like, what did I get into? So I had to pivot. And when they said, hey, put your nomination in to be a Titan again for this next year, I j and, and I didn't respond. And then they hit me back again. I said, hey, look, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, but I gave them that exact lingo. And I said, I can't give you what you need in order for me to better your organization at this time. But I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Peace out. Because it would just take away from all your other stuff. Because I'm sure yeah. you're similar to me. And I think Steve Schembaum, I said at a conference at Reebok with all the killers that we know. And he would talk about, like, when you're at work, he, I think the scale was, like, one to seven. Like, seven is, like, you're fucking you. You're on the D-Lo. It's, like, a Vegas show. It's, like, you're on. And then you go home, and you're a one. Yeah. Because you're just spent, and you right. suck shit at home. And a lot of people who are, like, high achievers typically have that. Like, have you run into that? And how do you deal with that stuff now as you're older? Like where you go to work and you just give work everything that day. And, yeah. then, and there's seasons for that. Some days, these guys get everything. 
and the Heather gets nothing. Yeah. Most often not, no, because I'm older now and I kind of understand how to, I guess, conserve energy or give it out. But how do you deal with that maybe like years ago versus today? It's it's magic in a box, man. Like what I've now learned, because you're right, I, I've had a lot of ones where I've come home and that's not fair to my wife. And I'm still on my phone and I'm still like... Uh, you're worthless at home. I'm worthless, yeah. right. And And now I really schedule my days to where I cram so much shit into these three hours where I'm like, go, go, go. I make sure that my meetings are scheduled the way I need them to be scheduled. Sometimes I'll even schedule a, a hike up one of the mountains during the day to just kind of let go. But most days I will get home around three or three thirty. Okay. Now again, I'm up at four when I get up at four, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's like, you know, Oh, don't check your email. No, I love checking my email. Like I love responding. That's to- it too. Hold on. Everybody too with us. Oh, the worst thing you can do right. is look at your phone the first day. Okay, no offense. With a cold bath and not looking at your email, you can miss me with that shit. Both those things. I'm like, because, dude, that's my process though. Yeah. I don't feel like it's fucking me up. I don't feel like I'm sad. I don't feel like I'm not productive. I go, but if I can get rid of that shit. Yep. I don't, what am I needing to wake up and stare at what? The darkness? Right. Like, I already got enough problems. I don't Th- need to be more sad. Like, let me just get my emails done and I'm good. Thank you. And I'm in that same breath. And so if I'm able to pound a lot of that out and, and do, you know, my business and reach out to people, Kim's sleeping. Man, she's sleeping. So I'm not taking time away from her. No. She's in bed at four. I can get so much done that first hour and a half of my day while my laser helmet's on growing hair. You know, I'm typing away. <laughs> two, bird, <laughs> two birds with one stone right there. Exactly. So that's how I do it now. And, and and again, you have to get to a point in your life where you're comfortable with that and you're not having that fear of like, oh, I got to be at everything. Oh, I got to be everything to everybody. You just have to be happy and be you and understand that whatever is going on right now in this moment is what you need to be paying attention to. Well, and you have to have a partner that like understands that too yeah it gets like hey man you're kind of in this business owner entrepreneurial life and this is kind of how it's going to be in certain seasons for sure for sure and and look i don't have to those events that you talk about i don't have to go to them anymore do i go to some of them yeah i do do i send my employees to go out because they'll enjoy it more than me free you know free food some free beer this and that i'd rather be at home watching milf manor with my wife on Discovery Channel. I don't even know what that is. For an hour, I'll tell you later. It's horrible. Um, it's kind of like a 90-day fiancé thing. That's our trash TV, yeah. an hour a night. Um, but I'd rather be on the couch with her and the dogs, rubbing each other's legs. You know, Prior to that, she makes dinner every single night, having dinner together, talking about our dreams, our hopes, all that stuff, and making sure that we have that time together. Am I always 100% a 7, 8, 9, 10 in that arena? No. No. But I make it happen. So is there times like where like maybe you've you've wanted to quit? Like where you're like ever had a time like, yeah, you know what? This sucks. It's not for me. Maybe early on, like as you're going through this, because this again, it's a different life that you buy into when you do this. Yeah. Is there a time when you've seriously like, yeah, I just want to call it quits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like legitly. Legitly. I mean, yeah. I want to quit basically once a week, but <sighs> not like not like for real, for real. It's it's a lot less frequent now within the last couple of uh within the last you know couple of years I will say that but I- I'm telling you Jeremy there were literally once a week I just wanted to quit wrap it up and be like you know what I'll figure this out I'll go live in a tiny home in the middle of nowhere and you know screw this and like what does that that come from like just stress 
Yeah, it comes from stress. I think it comes from um, feeling like, you know, everything's crashing down on you, even though that it isn't. I, th- I think inside of our heads, especially mine, I put too much pressure on myself to think that the the actual reality of the situation isn't the reality. Because once I get through the um, that area of blockage, it's totally fine. And it wasn't even as bad as what I thought it was. You know, so quitting is very natural. I uh, not quitting itself, but thinking about quitting and feeling that pressure, that's just a natural thing. And if you don't have that, I don't think that then you're struggling enough to really understand what you actually really do have when you're happy. And on that same kind of note, like if you were like starting out again, or like if it was might be like, not, not you, maybe just a different, like a kid who's. 30 or 25 can they do like replicate like what you've done like and i don't mean that like what you've done is impossible like you're you know a fucking complete unicorn i go but timing matters and different seasons of life matter industries change all these things they do shift if you were if you were to look at it like say you met a kid who's like hey you know dave i want to do exactly what you do i want to niche bar and restaurant but i want to be in Austin, Texas. Yeah. I'm going to do your exact same stuff. I'm going to hang out with you for two years, watch exactly what you do. Can that be replicated in a different environment or even here, for example? Yeah. Yes. Um, I I think... Now harder, you, harder now or, or easier? Definitely harder. Um, and, and just speaking in my industry in general, harder because the environment of what we do is different and the relationships are different. It's harder to get a contract with an insurance company to write their product. They want so much commitment. They want so much volume, you know, and if you're just starting out trying to figure out just even how to get business in the door, you can't give them that commitment or volume. You have to find other ways or other measures to do it. So again, when you're focusing on that and you're focusing on trying to get markets and you're focusing on trying to make sure that you have the tools to be able to be that specialist for those people that may be administering for your services, but you're also going out into community. You're trying to be at all these events. You're trying to rub elbows. You're trying to get to meet people. You're trying to sponsor events. So can it be done? Absolutely. But at least in my industry, I can say it's just it's just harder than the way it was. I, I, I think I had an easier availability and access to things. And yes, I did take over my dad's company. But in the same breath, my dad's company was almost taken from him after his fourth wife. And I had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money that I had saved up while, you know, living at home. Driving a minivan. Driving a minivan to get him out of court and to save the company. And then that's what had lent me to be able to, you know, purchase the company. Because if I had worked anywhere else, I'd be making a lot more money. But I was pouring it all back into this. And my dad was like, you know what? I know where my strong suit is and I know where yours is. And that's what was able to allow me to acquire the company, to do the things that I did, and allowed my dad to be able to retire happy and with money in his pocket. Well, and most people, like, wouldn't be willing to do that. Like, hey, let me save a shit ton of money. And buy an insurance agency. Yeah, it sounds terrible. No, but yeah. I had already built the. I had already built my own business, and I, I was feeling. But you know, still, you go back to saying like, do you ever feel like like I wanted to quit nine million times during that season? But I love my dad so much, and it was a family thing at that point. Yeah, and in the same sense, like in your, is entrepreneurship like for everybody? No, no, and 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 it's not. I mean, it's not. 
the only thing. I mean, look, like, like going back to our physical, you know, being, we're all different. And if it's for you and that's what you want to do and that's your passion and you go kick ass at it, then that's incredible. But if it's not, that's incredible too. Because how much, I have very happy employees. They love being able to come to a place that they enjoy and they love the clients that we bring in because you have to understand your clients are an extension of who you are. If you're a positive, light person, no, not all of them. Sometimes you get some dicks and you can, you know, weed them out. But most of them, they're going to. most of them are yeah. going to be great. Like and then, attracts like. Yeah. yeah. And so if I'm, if I'm adding value to my employees' lives by bringing them value, you know, added um, attitudes to their work environment and I'm giving them 401ks and I'm paying full health insurance and I'm paying 20% over industry standard and I don't give a shit if you work from home or, you know, from, you know, Hawaii because you want to go visit your family. Wow. That's pretty cool. And that, and that, and that might be for some people, not for me. No. And they're probably happier and they have less stress and there's more freedom in it for them that way than versus this life. Because the failure rate of what this is, is so high Yeah, for everybody. Way high. And it's again, like I always go, it's a prison. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, th- I don't, I don't really think of it that way. Um, <laughs> you love it. Heather must at some point, <laughs> but you're married to it. Yeah. Like it's this thing where it's almost like a person. So, okay. But let me ask you this, cause this is important. Do you, so I still have a friend in the music business and I have asked him and, and you know, everybody that knows me knows who he is. And, and I've asked him this question. I'm going to ask you the question, you know, the question is when I ask him, do you get sick of performing this same song on stage every single night? You know? And the answer back to me is I see that question and I see where you're going with it. But the reality is when I get out there and I feel the energy and I feel the love that comes back to me and you get that high. Okay. Um, no, it's, it's amazing. It's my gift and my ability to be able to do that. So my question back to you is when you're out there filming your 9 millionth, you know, Instagram, TikTok video, you know, this and that, the same, you know, leg press, different version, different dumbbell. How do you feel? Uh, I mean, there's days where you're like, we're still doing this shit. <laughs> like we're still doing it. Like we're really? Um, it's not, it's not like me. It's like what the end user gets though. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like if I come in here, it's probably even a better example. Like here, I know like we'll create a program. And to me, it's like, I don't know how many programs we've made at this point, like hundreds. Yeah. Um, like the app alone has a thousand workout videos. Right. But we'll do something like that's my weekly workout, maybe this week or, or a new program. And then these guys will comment and they'll talk, oh, my God, this was great. This was awesome. This got me to do X, Y, Z. And you're like, OK, this shit still does matter. Like, yeah. even though to me it might seem mundane, but it's their reaction to it. If there was nobody to watch it or do it, then there's no purpose for me to, like, perform and present it. And the same thing here where maybe I'll come tomorrow and it'll be early. I'll come in here before everybody. And I'm like, you know what? It's Saturday. Like, the fuck am I still doing? I've right. been this for like 20 years. Why am I still here on a Saturday? And then we'll talk to people and then they'll come in. Maybe it's, you know, last week we had six people here from Instagram, whether it's the podcast or six, to three, three different couples came in here. Two of them literally just their husbands bought them tickets to come just meet Heather and I, which is fucking crazy. Right. Wow. And uh, the nicest two girls, I'll butcher their names. So I'm not going to try. Yeah. But we take pictures with them. We do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, so what we do here isn't just jumping jacks. Like it's something different. So us showing up, being present, being accessible matters more. So that's really where like, I guess if you want to call it like the oxygen that makes this run, like that's where that comes from. 
And, and, and that's the thing. That's where you feel good about what you're doing and, and the, the oxygen. And so for my employees, the oxygen is when, as an employer, I can come in and be like, thank you for what you do. You're doing an amazing job. That's their oxygen. And therefore, they're happy with that sort of aspect of it. And is there, if we're going to, I'll just do these before we go. I'm going to pee my pants pretty quick here. Yeah, yeah. I'm good about, use about two hours in. Wow, um, holy crap. Uh, what am I? 149. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, if there's like a, for people listening, like, is there like one of the biggest mistakes you've made in business you can think? Yeah. It doesn't get, and I'll ask you like, we can do like worst investment you've made too, which may be the same mistake, but sometimes they're not the same. Well, I, first of all, there, there are bad investments, but I don't think there's really ever bad investments. And what I mean by that is that you can always revert back and look financially and monetarily that, oh my God, this was stupid. I'd, but it's only a bad investment if you learn nothing from it. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you know, these restaurants I invested in, these some of these salespeople, some of this and that, it's just money. You know what? I don't even know where that money went, or how, but I can tell you the education and the ability to move forward that that gave me much more value than the amount of money that was supposedly you know wasted. That what what's going to be sitting in you know the bank account somewhere? I mean, I, I think I've made threefold what I had lost. Yeah. Um. As far as what was the first question? The bet. Uh, if it was like the biggest mistake, biggest mistake, like again, mistakes to me are just opportunities. So, you know, yeah, maybe not, um, maybe not sending an email correctly. Maybe, you know, I mean, just, just little things where nothing uh, catastrophic where you're like, you know what? They came to me to invest in Uber and I just told them to fuck off. No, nothing like that. No, no, no. Again, it's just one of those things where it's just kind of like, the biggest mistake I think is not living in the moment and taking the time to at least acknowledge and evaluate what's going on as opposed to just being like, I, I, my biggest mistake is being too quick all the time, you know? Yeah. And is there like a long-term goal for all this stuff? Like you're going to be 49 tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you know, people are like, what's your, you know, you hear the like, what's your five year, what's your, you know, this year and that and that. And, and I think every day I work on my goals and I think every day they, they change according to how I feel and where I'm at in life. And so if I really had a a 20 year goal, um, you know, moving forward, I think it's just to stay alive and be healthy and be who I am today. I mean, really, I wake up every day and I say, how do I feel? Everything good. You know, I, how many workouts have I missed? with you and you know going on eight years like you don't miss yeah that's the thing and so that's what um that's what my goal is is just to be better than the day before and like if you had advice to people who maybe they want to be their own boss or kind of get into this this life or the one that we get a ton and they they're saying it but they don't understand because people who really like live this like i guess entrepreneurial type life understand it hey dave i just want to do what you do yeah because they're they're saying that and what they really mean is I just want the stuff you have, whether it's the money or the freedom or people to like acknowledge me in the industry as this person. They're not really saying like, I want to do all the shit you've had to do because no one's really coming to you saying like, hey, man, I want to be 25 and live with mom and dad and drive a shitty fucking minivan for the next five years and then spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy an insurance business from my dad so I can do fucking insurance for the next 25 years. Like that's really what they would be saying. And I don't really hear people saying shit like that. I I think my advice would be to be honest with yourself, to sit down by yourself and just honestly, just write down all your ideas, your thoughts, meditate on it. I know Heather will appreciate that. I'm a big meditator. Let it download. The answer is out there. And sometimes we get so busy in our 
day-to-day life that we just bypass the answers that are coming to us. And so, you know, you can look at somebody else's life and think, oh, that's what I want. I want to be like this. But that's that's never going to be the case. Your life is so distinct and so um, peculiar to who you are that honesty and then digging into what your passion is and just trying to figure stuff out, you know, day by day and knowing that there's no wrong answer for you, but you got to do something. That's the thing. You just have to do something. And as I had brought this article, as you know, we're kind of wrapping up here, I, I talk about looking forward and not back. And I talk about, you know, as we get older and we have different groups of friends and different relationships and different things that go on you know, it's always good to take inventory and understand that because somebody, you know, that was beneficial to us back then may not be the same benefit to us now. That's okay. You're just at a different point in your life and moving forward. And again, being honest with yourself and just saying, okay, what's it going to take to get started to get out of this situation that I feel, you know, is not benefiting anymore. That's, I mean, just get started, you know? I'll ask this too, because I'm just curious, like, why did you save all the money to do that initially? Like you were saving money, but for what? Like when you're young, hey, yeah. I'm going to save money to buy an insurance business. Because that seems like a really weird fucking thing to do. Yeah. Like here's the, here's an example I'll give. Like like my wife and I, obviously, like we bought our home. And as we're we're doing that and the years are going by, we pay off our house, whatever. But in between then, I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do this, like I'm going to have a gym, like I need to, we're going to move out of this old, we're, we did a, we rented facility, obviously for people who don't know for seven and a half years with no fucking air conditioning. Yeah. I did that in Scottsdale. Yeah. Like tell me the, the prison I lived that in. That was the best. I go, but the entire time I'm like, I'm just stashing money away, stashing money away. Cause I'm like, we're going to have to move. And I didn't know I would be able to afford something at the time I could buy to make my own place. That ends up being the story. But the entire way I'm having a conversation with my wife, like, Hey, we're not going to go buy the nice next big house. We're going to buy a fucking warehouse. Yeah. And you know, that's a hard sell, bro. I didn't, she's not from Scottsdale. No right. offense to people yeah. here. I go, but that's a, that's a tough sell, dude. If you're a young person and you meet a, a girl or a guy and you're just like, Hey, here's kind of my vision and my dream. Yeah. And you're going to have to ride with me. But you're at the time younger, even than I was probably like, how are you yeah. thinking about like, I'm going to save all this money for what? To buy a business? Heather, we're not buying the Magnolia Ranch House. We're buying the warehouse in, in Scottsdale, yeah, in yeah. the air park. That's funny. Um, it's a hard sell, man. I didn't. I didn't have a Heather. I didn't have anything. I had a condo that was 900 square feet. I had no idea, no concept, really, of what to do with money, how to do it. I didn't start saving for retirement until I was 40. I mean, I'm I'm such a late bloomer, all that sort of stuff. I wanted to be part of the in crowd I wanted to be. So when I was starting to make money, I was like, oh, cool, I have money. I can go out and spend $200 on a bar tab or do this and that. Oh, cool, you have a restaurant? Yeah, I'll give you 25 grand. So those were the things that I did. And, you know, looking back, if you if you were financially or monetarily, if you look at the actual numbers and the numbers are this that I put in and these are the numbers I got out, I'm in the red, okay? And that's not good. You want to be in the black. Yeah. So, but... That's number speaking, but as far as wisdom, knowledge, relationships, you know, the ability to work in these environments and build my insurance business, I'm way in the black. And so that's where, it, let's just say it wasn't a warehouse, but it was, it was more of a, uh, you know, um, 
an air house. It was just all, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And when you, and this is the last question, like yeah. when you are kind of taking it over, what's the goal? Like when you first like, hey, I'm going to do this, it's going to be mine. Yeah. Is it just to keep it as it's going? Mm-hmm. Is it to get it to where it is today? Did you even think that was possible? Just it, because like that's, to me, that's always, I, I remember sitting in our old warehouse and sitting there with, with Brett who had got us into the building and I'm like, if I can just get a hundred clients to give me a hundred bucks, yeah, that's 10 grand a month. Even if my overhead's five and this is at the time, I'm like, I'm rich as fuck, dude. Yeah. I'll, I'll make $60,000 yeah. a year. I'll be the richest guy. Like, cause to me that was, I didn't never knew like anything else was possible. And that was the goal. Obviously I set the bar way too low, but when you have no fucking clients, a hundred seems like oh, yeah. unattainable. My, my goal was to keep the place open. It was to pay the bills. It was to make a decent living. And it wasn't until I got over the fear of being insecure. And, and this is a good point. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to bring this up. I, I, I sit on a board for, you know, that the Department of Liquor is on. And all the attorneys for these big distributors and all these – and I've been sitting on this board for eight years. And even eight years ago, even up to the last five years – I've been that guy, again, in my Van Halen t-shirt or whatever, showing up to these meetings, all suits. I'm the only representative for insurance because I'm the only insurance guy that shows up that's specialized in liquor because when they change liquor laws, it can be very important to people's policies and what goes on. And I had no confidence, even though I'm, I know in that room, I'm the smartest in my industry, but I'm dealing with people that are, we're talking like real smart, not like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. No. Yeah. yeah. No offense. Yeah. Me neither. I sit across from a lot here. Yeah. I get right. it. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I was like, I was just trying to pay my bills, keep this thing afloat. I was like, okay, I know I can make something out of it. And until I had reached that point of level of confidence, gaining a few other clients, doing some more marketing, changing my logo, really getting involved. And I made that push to be just exactly what I was meant to be then that's when it just, again, all all clicked. And that was the goal, was to get to that point. And I'm now here. And I love it. Because I can advise other people. I can be a part of a community that I enjoy being a part of. And just be yourself. Just be me. Yeah. The D-Lo. That's the winning, man. It's winning. Uh, anything else, bro? That's it, dude. Tiger blood, bro. Uh, <laughs> where um, where do these guys uh, where do these guys find you at? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, at I am the D-Lo. And please, if you are an FTX, um, you know, uh, guy, um, please, I love all the FTX follows. Those are the best. The, what, 100,000, you know, dollar millionaires that, you know, do all this. Oh, all the crypto shit. Yeah, all the crypto guys that follow you. It's a joke. But anyways, um, there, I do have a podcast that Jeremy has been on. It's called On the D-Lo. And, um, you know, you can, honestly, it sounds so weird. You can Google me. You can Google hospitality insurance. I'll be one of the first thing that pops up. So, yeah, just, I I just enjoy chatting with you, man. I thought this was You fun. guys are the dudes, yeah, who do insurance, we which do. seems like a boring-ass thing. Yeah, it's fun. But man. everybody, it's the, one of the things, though, where you what you do is better than, like, if it was just, I think, home and auto. Would, oh, yeah. Would suck way worse if it was just But some that. people love that shit, too. They're into it, you know? Do you really love it? Some people do, like, yeah. 
And 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 you are right. Like this year has been really weird. Like with the the in Arizona, we have the Phoenix Open or the Waste Management Open. Oh, it's a big bro. shit show. Of, so a lot it's of a, my, it's, if you've never been, the Phoenix <laughs> Open is like Vegas on steroids, bro. Like times a thousand. It's stilettos on grass with puking and peeing. You yeah. know, it's it's amazing. It's true. And, and and I don't even go there anymore. It's like it's, I got married. I'm like I'm done with that shit. But the point being is that there's a lot of my um, clients that partake in that, and then trying to find insurance limits for what they want and this and now this year we also have the super bowl so all these super bowl parties are coming here and people are needing insurance and it's crazy and with yeah. the the horrendous liquor laws it's one of those things where people are like you know it's hard to get coverage for this sort of thing so it, it's been an interesting thing but it's crazy too because you get access to all that stuff and you don't give a shit about I, it. I don't care less somebody can give me super bowl tickets and honestly i just don't want to go in the traffic <laughs> if they were good <laughs> if they were good i would go our buddy's selling too they're lower level. They're eight thousand bucks a piece. Yeah, the sixteen I, G's, man. I, but they're not great seats. I'm like you're gonna spend sixteen thousand bucks to sit in a shitty seat, dude. I would re if they gave them to me and said you can either go or resell them. I'd, I'd resell, resell them. them. I know. Yeah, thousand percent. Like I used to drive Shania Twain around in a in a bus on New Year's Eve. Like I don't need to sit on the Super Bowl, you know, lower bowl to watch two teams. I, I like I haven't watched a football game this year. That's just me. I'm yeah. over it. You move to a different drum, bro. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I'll put all your stuff in the show notes. Cool. These guys can uh, find you, man. I appreciate it, brother. Dude, thanks for always, having me. Yeah, I'm dude. glad. Yeah. This is always good shit. So if you guys want to sell insurance, Dave's the guy. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's just the, the whole story, this about you, just the entrepreneurship part of it. Like, it is a journey and it is hard. And like, for people to hear, to see things, we only see the finished product usually. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you didn't see me. And again, I'll always go back to it. Like, that's your, again, if you're like a comic book person, like the origin story. Living in your mom and dad's house. Yeah. Driving a shitty minivan. Right. Saving your money to do this thing that basically all you're doing is buying a really hard-ass job. Again, that's the real gift that we both have now is the ability, you through your podcast, me through my means, is to give back and to help other people, you know, kind of look at it and be like, wow, this is cool. These these men, women, whomever are out there are more or less giving us free information. They're mentors. And Fitness is a tool. Insurance is a tool that allows us to be able to do this extra stuff. Or else, if I was a normal insurance guy, I'd probably still be sitting in my office on a Friday working on my own quotes, you know, and then going, you know, looking at the clock. But I'm doing a podcast with you. Oh, bro, if you're a normal guy, you would have quit work about three hours ago. thousand percent. Boom. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it, brother. All right, man. Um, if you guys are on Apple Podcasts, drop it a five-star, leave a review. I would appreciate it. If you guys are on Spotify, drop it a five-star as well. Again, if you guys want to check out the Jeremy Scott Fitness app, the link's in the show notes. If you want a free sample of Athletic Greens, a free sample of Beam, all our other sponsors are in the show notes. But don't feel weird. Feel free to reach out. We're happy to mail you guys all the stuff for free to try it to see if you like it before you buy it. And if you have questions on the app or anything we do, Please just ask. Everything is listed below. Give D'Lo a follow. It'll be worth your time. If nothing else, you guys will get a couple laughs along the way. So I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, um, Until next time, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.